Hello, everyone. Welcome to Riot Act, uh, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and my good friend, Renfrey Deadman, who's chewing on a pen. You, you're right there, mate. You yeah, know, I'm chewing on pen my pen. Or, should I come back to you when you're eating your pen? It's literally you... my pen. I can do what I like with my pen. Yeah, but then you'll eat that oh, pen. It's deep throated. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> sucking on a pen. You'll eat that pen and then you'll want to borrow one of mine, won't you? No, I, no, it's right. fine. My Don't pen's your pen. great. Um, yeah. uh, this is episode 45 of the podcast. Um, 45? 45. Is that a milestone? No, not really. Not really, no. It sort of feels like it could be... But, it, but I don't think it is. Mind you, we've got the big old 5-1 coming up. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> is that a milestone? I was, I was joking around five with the milestones. One. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, anyway, to celebrate <sighs> the 45th weekly anniversary <laughs> uh, of the show, um, we're going to be reviewing new albums this week from Perry Farrell, from Pelican, from Motanka, and from Pleiades. Uh, we'll also be talking about All Points East and Bring Me the Horizon at All Points East. Um, Renfrew went and to go bands, and see, and many other bands, yes. Uh, Renfrew went to go and see Alex on Fire. Yes. And um, also in Trade Off, we're going to be talking about death metal, sort of. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> in both cases, sort of something. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. Two weird albums uh, coming yes. up later on Trade Off. Morbid Angel. And Britney, mm. uh, possibly the weirdest trade-off? Might be, yeah. It's definitely be. the one that made me go, what are you thinking the most, <laughs> for sure? Uh, as we do every week, we're going to start off by shouting out to our good buddies over at the old Musicism crowd. Um, is that the thing, Musicism crowd? That'll do. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, they are very good friends of ours, helping us out with like this microphone. They bought that for us. Oh, it's such a nice microphone. It is. Well. Yeah, it's it so a good, good mic. Um, musicism.net is where you can go to sign up for the courses that they run, which will improve your skills with a Z. Uh, on, uh, <laughs> Not a spelling. Fuck <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, that's 90, didn't it? Skills. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the few things I didn't like about the 90s, putting what? Zs on stuff. Putting Zs on the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Backwards Rs. Yeah. Was that, wasn't, wasn't that just corn? I think someone else did it as well. Really? Okay. Yeah. Can't remember it was though. Um, don't hold me to that. Anyway, yeah, they do courses for the budding singer, don't, songwriter. Don't hold you. No, generally. no. Uh, the budding musician. <laughs> I learned that early on. Yeah, I'll finish this later, <laughs> shall I? And um, yeah, so you can become a better guitarist, a better producer, yeah. a better singer. If you go over to musicism.net and sign up for £9.99 a month, or you can put in the words riot in capital letters, in a checkout, you get twenty five percent off, governor. Oh, <laughs> blimey, what a bargain! Oh, um, I don't know why I turned into Doc Cotton. Yeah, that was that was unusual. Unfortunately, we didn't have the facial expressions as well. You the, got them. I got They're them. For and, you. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, mm. I do want to hold you now, Steve. Thank you. After that. Uh, we're about to after this show. Uh, we're going to record a. Right here's review on Mark Lanigan's Bubblegum, which we mentioned last week. We didn't do it because last week, God, oh, the show was long last week, wasn't it? Oh, old show. And Renfrey was late and we ended up just, it was suddenly it was midnight. It's horrible traffic. Yeah. Uh, but we've given ourselves a bit of time this week, haven't we? So we're going to do mm-hmm. it straight after we finish recording. That'll yeah. go up for patrons uh, on patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. I should also mention that my chat with uh, Wade and... George from Alexis on Fire is up now yep. uh, as a special. I had a little chat with them just before the Ali Pally show. Mm-hmm. Lovely stuff. Very yep, good. That's good. I'll tell you what, Wade McNeil yeah. has a hell of a handshake. Does he? Shake his hand twice 
you know when it's a really firm grip? I do, yeah. My God. I was really impressed. Has he got big hands? Yeah, pretty big hands. Look how small my hands are. Um... Very feminine, your hands. Surprisingly you. so. Mm. Um, starting to get... Well, I've, been, well, I've been going to the gym the last couple of years. I'm starting to get those little callus bits on my hands from Ooh. lifting really, really heavy things. Oh. Really heavy things, guys. I've always been really told heavy. that I have the palm of an adult, but the fingers of a child. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. You're I kind of... It's a bit like weird, a, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like a sort of Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> but just with the fingers. Well yeah, done. I mean, you know, form an orderly queue, ladies. Hashtag genetics. <laughs> um, <laughs> genetics for beginners. Yeah. Anyway, that's this week. Um, what we've just done. What we're doing next week. So, as you hear this, it'll be it'll be festival season. Will be kicking off in true style. I've sort of been to two already. Yeah. Uh, you've been to one. I'm going to download well, next week. I went to Roadburn as well. Oh yes. Yeah. So you've been to two. Compl- I've been to three technically. Complexity. Okay. They're both indoor, though, so I don't know if those count. Mm, they sort of count. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, uh, I'm going to obviously download the big, big thing. Uh, I've heard of download. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to. Do you know, I was actually meant to be in Prague this week watching Tall, and life has beaten me. I don't feel very well. Mm. Um, I've not got very much money mm. as I can afford it, and I didn't bother getting the time off work until the day before, and they went, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, huh. That is Fuck. fair. To be yeah, honest. it is fair. It is fair. Um, um, I I don't know whether to tell you this now because I don't want you to. Cry you're going to uh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam aren't you? I'm going to Amsterdam, you, but you know that I'm yeah. not going to continue when, to rub that in. When, when when are you going? It's uh, three days after they play download, so I'm going. Have you got in, another uh, ticket? Because maybe I'll go to that. No. Okay. Well, I won't then. See if I can uh, get one. <laughs> maybe. It's not um, I'm too. La- I'm just too lazy to do things. I don't like leaving Bonjour as well. Uh, bring Bonjour. Bonjour, like tall, won't she? She she doesn't like. She'll probably scratch Maynard's eyes out or something. She's such a fierce little lovely cat. She might do that. I have to be careful what I call Bonjour around Steve. Yeah, I don't like this. (laughs) She's the most important thing in my life. The scratch that she gave me two weeks ago is only just healed. Mate, I get that every day. I was sitting there yesterday. She just ate my, started chewing on my foot, like big time. And I was just sitting at, watching telly. Yeah. She just comes up and goes, oh, I'm going to eat your foot. She's fucking cruel. I'm yeah, but mate, she's so lovely. Though. Well, she's Ooh. lovely. She's lovely. Fine. Anyway, enough about Bonjour. She's managed to sabotage this podcast again <laughs> without even coming into the bloody thing. Um, I just want to mention Download because obviously I'm very excited. We, talk, we talked about the, um, we could taller playing that. So that should still be great. Um, Really quickly, can mm-hmm. I just say, did you see the Clash Finder? No, I haven't bothered looking at it yet. They've given Tool an hour and a half, which I was surprised at. Uh, I'm sorry. Is that all? Yeah. Oh, no. It's not very long, is it? Fucking Guns N' Roses got three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've given Tool an hour and a half, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it'll be longer at the other shows. I've not looked at set lists or anything like that because I don't want no. it to be spoiled for me. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, that I, is. I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to rub it in. I'm no, just, no, I'm no, just, no. I just no. noticed it, and I thought, no, oh it's, shit, that's it's good. fine. It's absolutely fine. Sorry, Steve. I saw them four times on the Lateralus tour. So. Yeah, that that upsets me. So, so you know, I had tickets. <laughs> it's really annoying that now when people go, "I'm going to see this. Where are you?" Like, ha ha. I saw Dillinger's last show, and I have to go back twenty years. Who tells you they saw Dillinger's last show? You. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> God, yeah. For a and I always go, oh, I saw them supported by Norsem and Sick at the uh, at the the Mean Fiddler. Mm. Yeah, 
which is as good uh, on for, when they were touring Calculate Infinity. Sure. <clears throat> it's my least favourite Dillinger album, so what are you going to do? Yeah, but you're a fucking idiot, aren't you? <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. Uh, anyway, go on to download. I'm excited. I just wanted to shout out a couple of the other things because some of our friends are doing other things. Firstly, um, Matt, Matt Stocks, uh, who Matt Stocks. we're good buddies with, who's yeah. been on this show a couple of times. I've actually, um, this week, uh, Matt put a podcast up of his podcast, Life in the Stocks, interviewing me. Um, the and that's lo- gone the up. lowliest guest he's ever had. <laughs> yeah, it really is. No, it really is. Like that's fine. Like Stephen Graham, uh, uh, Gene Simmons, Gene Simmons, Tom Morello, <laughs> Stephen yeah. Hill. Yeah, still waiting for the call yourself, aren't you, Rimfrey? I've noticed. All right. Yeah. Oh, so. that hurt. That was. That was. <laughs> mm. Anyway, Matt put a podcast interview me up. Um, that came out today. That came out as as we record. That's been out like seven or eight hours or something, and people seem to have been very positive about it so that's been nice but so i like matt and he's going to be djing at the danish quarter which is a new thing they've got over at the um download festival it's a kind of um what is it it's like a carlsberg lounge got different djs and a few bands playing i think sumo psycho one of the bands playing so make sure you check the times because if you want to see matt i think i'm going to go in there and uh, and and sort of go boo at matt play five play five and then at the gates one after the other so if you are around at the weekend you find yourself at a loose end which is probably unlikely because it's a fairly strong lineup at download this year then go down and and, and watch matt um do a little bit of djing and also if you're getting a download early on the thursday the day before it kicks off we should shout out um the uh the download takeover which is now in its 11th year um which happened in the doghouse they've been doing it every year which is a chance if you get down there to to see some kind of young hungry unsigned bands um get a chance to play in front of the download audience which i think is a really cool thing i think it's very important to sort of encourage um young bands from a grassroots level and we know you're doing your acoustic solo project (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. playing an apex twin cover set acoustically um but trish and and heather who who have been doing it um for many years uh have kind of put it together and they are people who like i say support and rep for download at a very grassroots level for no money at all they do it purely out of the love yeah just like you rimfrey yeah yeah (laughs) very very much much like you uh they've actually got um this city is ours the 500 neshima Sweet Little Machine, Odious, Dead Man's Whiskey, and Haxan playing on the Thursday. So if you're going to download, I'll be there. Matt will be there. The download takeover will be there. I'm quite. I'm. I'm. I'm looking forward to download. I haven't checked the weather yet. That's the one thing. It's not going to be great, is it? Let's face it. Well, you don't be like that. It might be all right. Well, I don't care. I'm going to be Amsterdam, but you know. Yeah, fine. Well, do you know what? It was nice. I have had a nice outdoor festival because um, it wasn't great at Slam Dunk, the mm-hmm. weather, but the weather was lovely on Friday when I went to All Points East. Mm. Now, we spoke in our festival preview about All Points East. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, obviously, Bring Me the Horizon headlined. Um, we'll get to them in a little bit. I got there and I saw Lotus Eater, who we um, we spoke about a couple of weeks back. Let's very briefly give Lotus Eater a shout out because they, I don't know if you saw this, but they had a crash. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Last well, uh, Tuesday, okay. uh, it will have been. And um, they've uh, 
they basically need to get a new tour van and stuff. So they have a Bandcamp page. If you uh, Bandcamp page, sorry, that's totally wrong. They have a um, GoFundMe, uh, GoFundMe yeah. page. So if you want to throw in some pennies for them, because that's a really shitty thing yeah. for, to happen. So yeah, okay. so sorry about that. Go on. So yeah, um, and and also you know the, one of the most fucking aggro bands I've seen in yeah. a very very long time. Wicked. Like we spoke about the EP and we said you know it's it's a bit all over the place and there's a lot of stuff going on and i know you're not a massive advocate of that style of music I generally thought, but no, you I quite thought, liked I it i thought it was super promising though yeah, yeah and it, it was, it was. and um they you know they're very very glaswegian like the the singer i hope he doesn't mind me saying this i don't know if they listen but um he reminded me a bit of do you remember michael carroll the lotto lout the guy who won like 15 million quid and then bought a mansion and then oh. burned it all out or bought leather porches and just burnt them out and left them sort of <laughs> like just it's, like sitting. It's ringing a bell, right? Like burnt <laughs> out tires like a sort of caravan park. Sounds like, like a, a lovely park. comparison. Yeah. I'm sure well, he, he was, he was be... just like, he was just so kind of neg looking. Right. You know I mean, he's wearing a baseball cap and he was walking around. Just putting both fingers the up bees. and going "fuck you" to the crowd for oh, no wow. for no reason when he wasn't singing. Okay, and he was wearing Sounds like, like a track, like a tracksuit. Yeah, I loved it. I was <laughs> like, he's come on to like probably the biggest gig of his life, and he's just flicking the V signs at everyone and saying "fuck you" and calling them. And in between songs, going "you bunch of cunts," and I was like, this guy's amazing. He's brilliant. He hates everyone. I love it. So. Um, and, you know, they didn't have the best sound, but musically, um, they're very, very interesting. Look how much Bonjour loves you. Mm. Bonjour's jumped up and she's rubbing herself against Renfrey. Renfrey's been mugging her off saying how horrible she is. And look at the love she's given you. I mean, she's, little Bonjour. She's irritating me because I'm trying to work, but yeah, sure. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I thought Lotus Eater were, were an excellent way to start the day. Uh, I then nipped over to the main stage to watch Scarlord. Yeah. Scarlord. Um, Spelt Scarlord. Scar, Scar L X R D. Oh, yeah. So Scar Luxord. Yes, Scar Luxord, and he is one of, one of them rappers. That you've oh, seen, I've heard of them. Yeah, that you've seen uh, on the TV, and uh, I nearly went to the full blown Stuart Lee. You've seen them, haven't you? The rappers, but I thought <laughs> best not. And on the SoundCloud, don't mm. get the SoundCloud. Yeah, on the SoundCloud, and um, yeah. So he he's a rapper. And he came on and I've heard lots of things about Scarlord being really exciting and really incendiary and we all this know kind this of is going, don't we, sound clash of stuff. Well, I didn't think necessarily that his music was particularly bad. Okay. Um, it was all right. It was sort of fine. It was pretty much what I sort of expected it to be. It was sort of um, big sub drop, grimy uh -huh. stuff. Not a glowing recommendation, though, is it? But no, it, it no, no, right, not yeah. a glowing recommendation. The, the main problem I had with it is I would say 95% of what you heard was pre-recorded. Oh. So uh, I didn't, I don't mind if a sort of, if you get an artist on stage and it's just them on stage and the music's coming from somewhere, but they're at least singing, if they're singing to a backing track, that's one thing. But when you're literally like he had a DJ who appeared to just be pressing play on his phone, playing his song off like Spotify, and then he had a mic and he'd shout, come on, come on, let's go, let come on, wake up to the people in the crowd whilst his song was playing in the background. And I thought, where is this going to end? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. 
I mean, give... no, a lot of people don't care about that sort of thing, but I do a bit. I maybe it sounds really antiquated of hey, me, but I do. I care. Um, I care very much. But forgive me for potentially sounding utterly stupid within this genre and stuff, but isn't it more common for that to happen within the world of uh, hip-hop and rapidly rap rap Well, uh, <laughs> Uh, not, not in, it's been a while since I've paid a real lot of attention to like live. I've not seen a hip hop artist live for a little while. I saw a little bit of Run the Jewels lately and Run the Jewels weren't doing that. Right. Okay. Um, I didn't see enough of Run the Jewels to make, to, to review them, to be fair. I kind of walked through, but they clearly would, everything seemed like it was happening live from Run the Jewels. Mm -hmm. Skylord literally there's my song being played over the PA. I mean, the DJ was running up and down the front, the sort of the walkway at the, at the front while that so he wasn't doing it live i don't really know why he was there he could have just hit, stood on the side of the stage and i thought is this gonna this is gonna end where like i don't know post malone or takeshi 69 or whatever he's called will just walk on stage for his live show and re respond to instagram direct messages while he <laughs> someone else plays his music over spotify and loads of lights will flash and people will go wow what a great like he's great live yeah while sitting on the stage with his back to everyone it's certainly like, setting a worrying precedent isn't it and yeah. and you know at the risk of us both sounding really old um you don't want to encourage people that like you don't want to encourage your artists to give that as a live performance when it isn't live i mean what what is what is the point in going out to see Scarlord if 95% of it is indeed uh, just played over the PA? What is the point in going out to pay money it to felt, see that? It felt more like a, a public opinion. You know, like, you know, a bit in The Office where David Brent comes out and waves. We and discussed the, the Office, you know. Oh, yeah, I, okay, I seen it, yeah. um, so in the Christopher, <clears throat> David Brent comes out and waves to a nightclub full of people. I and then imagine. they go, what are you going to do? And he goes, oh, nothing. They just should come out and wave. I think that's, it felt more like a personal appearance. It felt more like a kind of bookstore well, they should, Yeah, they should call it a, a public show. appearance rather yeah. than a live yeah. show. I, I will be talk, I will be geeing you up <laughs> over a microphone over the top of my album being played <laughs> yeah. at this venue. Yeah, it was rubbish. It's, it's just, I mean, <clears throat> that, that sounds fucking abhorrent to me, but, um, you know. I mean, I don't know. Like, ah, oh, you're just old. You old cunts with your standards. Well, that, that's it. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm trying to get. That brilliantly summed up. Fantastic. That's the thing. This, that, that just, to me, it feels like the standards have dropped ridiculously. If, if that is acceptable now, mm. that feels like the standards are so ridiculously low. I think we could be probably the best live band in the world if that's the standard. Yeah. Like just me and you. Just we get fucking... Led Zeppelin 4 on Spotify. <laughs> yes. Just walk on and yes. go, come on. Come on. Uh, Stay away to fucking heaven. People are going, wow, they're, they're just like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it, if you were, if you, this is to me like standards dropping where like a chef, if you go to a restaurant and the chef goes, come and get this pizza that I've, someone else has put in the microwave for it, for, for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A Michelin star chef now. You wouldn't turn around then if you went, that's, you got Michelin star. To be honest oh, with you. Oh, you old cunt with your... <laughs> expecting chefs to actually cook food <laughs> putting putting a pizza in a microwave sounds like more effort than getting up there and trying to g people up to me you know working a microwave well yeah you want to you might accidentally put the, it on 
defrost. Exactly, exactly. Or you, you might put a metal spoon in the microwave and blow up in <laughs> yeah. your face. Yeah, you know? awful. Um, Which is what Post Malone looks like, funnily enough. What, a metal spoon? Well, no, it looks like a microwave's blown up in his face. He Post- does. <laughs> he does. And it's just sad that it hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there uh, we go. Anyway. Um, well, we weren't talking about Post Malone, then, were yeah. we? Yeah. Employed to Serve uh, were the next band that I saw. Now, Employed to Serve, I thought were very, very, very excellent at Slam Dunk. Yes. Really, really good. Tent, not many people. They've got a far bigger crowd and were playing a far bigger stage um at this show the other week and and the sound was not great for them it wasn't as um it wasn't as loud it wasn't as powerful as it mm. as it was the week before at slam dunk saying that they were still very good for a band you know it seems weird to say a band with three albums in are in their infancy because back in the day like you know metallica with three albums in on master puppets wouldn't be nirvana. going oh, there's potential there isn't there nirvana released three albums like technically if we're yeah. not including incest yeah yeah, so. yeah um so yeah it does feel a bit odd but they still feel like a band with lots to give mm. and a band who are constantly Absolutely. improving and a band who are you know this is really i think this summer will be the first time they did the third stage at download last year this was an outdoor stage it's kind of bigger stage and I think this is the first year they've had a proper extensive run um, on kind of big festival stages, certainly in this country. And I thought they took to it very well. And they looked like they, you know, they looked like they belonged up on that stage. And I was actually, I bumped into Brady from Conjure who says hello. Oh, and oh, uh, yeah. yeah, he's sick of you slagging him off. So we stop all, doing, we, we all. Um, And he was like uh, chatting to me about Employed to Serve. And he was like... Um, He's like, oh, I wish they'd play some off the first album. First album's so good in it. And I was like, yeah, the first oh, album. First yeah, album yeah. is wicked. It first is very good. Yeah. Fucking wicked. And I went, I do and th- I, and I, a controversial point though. I do think it is their worst. I don't know. I, I don't know if they've got a worst. I listened to it the other day and I was like, oh, actually, this is fucking great. It's amazing. I, it's just the, the, the steps and yeah. leaps and boundaries. But it, they're made, stepping into different you know. territories. Almost. True, and, true. and this is what I turned around to. And I said, like, I don't worst know. Worst is the wrong word. But I, yeah. yeah, I don't know if those songs would have worked on that stage. Yeah. I think they could still play them at the garage or whatever. I think they could still play them in the sort of venues they're playing. I think they could. But on a big stage like that, it feels obvious to me that they would pick you know, the the song from the last couple of albums ahead of, of that early stuff. And, you know, it's starting to, they're starting to look like a, like a proper, but like not that they didn't look like a proper band before, but they're starting to look like a band who uh, look effortlessly, effortlessly comfortable <clears throat> in those sort of environments. So they were very, very good. I tell you who were fucking brilliant. And I've been like, yeah, there's potential there for sure. Definitely there's been, there's potential. And I know you're a, seemingly a bigger fan than me black futures were oh, yeah. fucking amazing oh good cool they were brilliant it's brilliant. the best black future show I've, they've always been good live i think yeah. they've yeah. always been a band who i think are good live they were great the other day fantastic really what was really it? great what was it about it that was so great um the sound was much better they had a smaller stage and sound was better they just commanded but for, for a two-piece they command that stage so well yeah. it felt like those songs were much more instantaneous in a sort of festival environment. There were clearly a lot of people there who had no idea who this band were and they got whipped up in it. You had um, people get, you know, the, the usual, the people in masks and stuff in the crowd, yeah. gene people up. But yeah. then when you've suddenly like one of them's crowd surfing and the other one's sort of dancing around the back of the sound desk and yeah. stuff and playing and, and it was, it was a really brilliant 
like tw- they're in for 20 minutes didn't they? they played four songs fuck 20 four- minutes yeah they didn't get very long it was the smallest stage wow okay so they didn't get very long came on 20 minutes 25 minutes just non-stop constant yeah. the, the, the perfect kind of smash and grab for a festival really really good and those songs are starting to like really like wean their way into my skull. I've yes. spe- spent the next sort of couple of hours like humming sort of various parts of, of their set. Some of their hooks, like, you know, well, you'll yeah. hate me doing it, but I don't care for money. Mm. Money don't care for, you know, like they, like they, yeah, they're one of those bands. You, you watch them a couple of times live and then you realize, you know, most of their songs. I mean, mm. their album is due out in October august i think and we've not heard it yet but i imagine when i do first listen to it i'm gonna recognize pretty much the whole thing because i've seen them quite a lot now mm-hmm. i think black futures really thrive in those big environments actually maybe more so than the smaller ones that i most recently saw them at the lexington and i spoke about it a little bit and they were you know they were fantastic yeah. but i think when they can bring more of those sort of white suited people um to like g people up and stuff like that it just makes for this really cool fairly unique experience really mm, mm. um yeah i love that band they're great cool I'm glad yeah to hear that. really really good but <clears throat> for me spoiler alert band of the day by a country mile i've been waiting so long to see them i went mad for the album the week it, we reviewed the album the week that it came out um obviously since then they've been nominated for a brit award and they've had a hell of a lot of hype uh more than justified for me were idols Excellent. Definitely the band of the day. They were, and I have to say... It's about fucking time you've seen them. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know, you're fucking right. Um, and I have to say, I think they were the only band that I saw of the entire day, not to keep going on about it, where every sound you heard on sta- that, that came through the PA was being made on that stage. Mm. I think they were the only band. Even Employed to Serve, who, you know, do play everything live, I think had one bit where the guitar riff was recorded and they came in. Mm, mm, um, they're the, uh, you know, cl- clearly the most kind of punk rock band. I've seen on that them. Bill I've seen them far. Yeah. Two or three, ba- two or three times. And I've never noticed anything not being oh, played. There's, no, there's no it's way. 100. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. hundred percent. I thought they were fucking amazing. They're great, aren't they? They're yeah. so great. They're so funny. They're so arch <clears throat> yeah. and knowing, cutting, yeah. Um, it just didn't look like they gave a fuck. They were they stuck out on that bill like a sore thumb as well. Do you know, I yes. think that's the thing about it. As all those bands, it was either kind of um, there was Alice Glass on before them. We spoke about Scarlord and Nothing But Thieves on after them. I saw a little bit of Nothing But Thieves as well, and they were you know just very very professional. Yeah. Um, and then you got stuff like Run the Jewels, and we'll get to you know the more metalcore bands like Architects and While She Sleeps and ets and bring me the horizon all being from that certain sort of scene idols obviously like i say stand out on that bill like a sore thumb but they Definitely. were so brilliant um they've got such a lot of character um they've got such a swagger about them those songs just so someone i was with someone they were like this is a tonal punk by someone that their their criticism were like this is a tonal 80s punk by someone who's just read the newspaper yesterday. That was their criticism of idols. And I was like, well, 
I think that says more about your lack of comprehension for a few things, if that's how you feel about it. Mm. I think 80s post-punk is is fine. Um, I don't think musically they're doing anything particularly original. They're just doing something that hasn't been done for a very, very long time. time. And they're doing it to a massively, like, wonderful standard. I, I'm I, I, we, we've expressed before I'm not a massive fan of that whole 80s post-punk um, scene and if we're going to call them a post-punk band Idols are my favorite post-punk band of all time if, right. if in that case if that yeah. is what we're calling them then mm. yeah they're my favorite I mean yeah I, I mean they they do that like I I, I think I said it's about Milk Teeth before and people are like oh it's just kind of Riot Girl 90s punk isn't it and it's like yeah but if it's the choice between listening to vile child or listening to heaviest bricks by l7 i'll listen to but i don't care that like Mm. those songs are better Mm. and i think there's a lot i mean you know i am a massive advocate of the kind of early to mid 80s post-punk movement we i've spoken on this podcast a lot about how much i love a lot of those bands but idols are as good as a a great great deal of them and there's a bit of like they are a bit different so like i said there's a bit of oi and there's a bit of like quite kind of angular noise and there's obviously a bit of indian there as well and they're just really funny and they've you know they they look like acerbic acerbic yeah yeah. and you know there is much more to them just like than just oh the news and oh fuck trump or you know whatever then it's not i think i've I've said it a bunch of times it's not just sloganeering there is sloganeering in it but it's not empty. It's not empty, and it's it's a bit sarcastic, and it's much more, you know, it's, it's much, much more kind. Of, it's, it's it's cartoonish and ludicrous, out of, um, as opposed to being sort of po-faced and stupidly serious. But then wow. there's a real point to to everything they say. I thought they were brilliant. It's done in a really smart way as well, because it's mm-hmm. almost as if they sort of. Um, play a role and play the role of this sort of louts laddish. Yeah. and you look at them on stage and all five of them as a band like again i love a band where you go all five of you have your own little character yeah like their guitarist the one who looks like he's got the mustache and stuff is like someone said he's like a kind of (laughs) simon neil on acid someone tweeted me (laughs) and joe the singer is just like you say this kind of stocky um like really sort of butch looking guy but he's almost kind of He's quite camp as well. He's like got yeah. a kind of like camp quality to him. I just thought they were excellent. Yeah. I'm just really glad that a band like that are, are doing well. Yeah. Agreed. So they were they were fucking excellent. And um and I'd have to say kind of impossible for While She Sleeps to follow, who were the next band that I watched. I watched While She Sleeps from quite far back and I wish I'd got a little bit closer because I thought they were good but they did struggle with quite poor sound. Mm. Um, uh, maybe not more noticeably than any other bands on that stage, but I think I've stood further away from them than I was for anyone else. And it became massively noticeable from where I was stood that the sound was bad. Was it outdoors or was it in a tent? Outdoors. Okay. Yeah. Was it um, windy? <laughs> not really. Not okay. um, but uh, at the end, Sean, their guitarist, just uh, they, they all trashed the stage when they left and Sean their guitarist threw his guitar in the crowd um they didn't look very happy as they left oh. but the new songs from in a, that were added to the set I thought sounded really good they've got to the point now where what's it four albums in yeah where they can do 45 50 minutes and every single song sounds like you know 
is going to be greeted with like howls of like yeah there's a plenty there's plenty of stuff they didn't play you know there's mm. a whole bunch of songs that i would have really really liked to have heard and, like they didn't play the title track and this the six which just one of the like plucked from the top of my head that, mm. I, that they didn't play that mm. i was like oh wow and um and the new song sounded really good as well particularly the one that sounds like um Nightcrawlers. That's uh, that's good. Um, Certainly of those bands, and uh, you know, I've said it before. I'm not particularly a fan of that kind of thing, but it's certainly one of the most interesting um, bands of that whole kind of metalcore thing. Yeah, and it looks like they're um, they're kind of gearing up to you know the the stage set that they had was very very impressive as well. They had a cool layout. It was nothing really like there was no show really but there was like flags on stage and they had a really cool backdrop and they just looked good they looked really at home there um so yeah they you know they they, they were they were cool uh architects were great you know I've, I've gone on about architects this is probably my least favorite of the last few architects shows that i've seen i thought wembley was like a brilliant celebration i thought um ali pally was astonishing as i said before and i thought brixton was just a very very special night i think the last three architect shows have been incredibly special moments and this just felt like a gig mm-hmm. for architects mm-hmm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and um they played a very very similar set to what they usually play they sounded better than while she sleeps um because i stood a lot closer to them presumably that's why they also brought a little bit of um a little bit of pyro with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I looked at them and I thought, you look like a band who should be thinking about subbing one of these things, downloads, thinking about maybe potentially getting to headline. Like they, they look like that. And you were know, they not subbing on this bill? Well, they were second stage headliners. Okay. okay. So they're on at the same time as run the jewels, roughly the same time as run uh-huh. the jewels, run the jewels. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I've spoken about architects a lot. I think they're great. Like I say, this is probably uh, not the very, very, you know, the sound was a bit dulled. So, and it didn't, there was a lot of people, you know, obviously there was, the last few gigs, everyone has been there. Architects, oh my God. Yeah, whereas this was, there were a few casual people and a few people didn't really quite yeah, know. Yeah, you're going to get that. So though, it didn't quite, um, the, the emotion wasn't quite as ramped up as it has been mm. um, in some of their other shows. But it was still, they, you know, they're, fucking great and the songs from holy hell sound really good live i'm actually you know i know i was big i was very very sort of positive about that record when it came out um i'm still listening to it now and i still think you know for like we've said before there's there's nothing else they could have done that i think would have followed the album previous to that that i think they've you know they've they've done they've done very well is what I think. Uh, which meant everything closed up with Bring Me the Horizon. I have to say, Renfrey, just to give Bring Me the Horizon their props, first of all, the idea, if you went back 10 years, that a festival whose other headliners were the Chemical Brothers, the Strokes, mm. Bon Iver, mm. um, Mumford and Sons, you know, all those other bands have headlined Glastonbury, apart from Bon Iver. But you think there's four former Glastonbury headliners mm. playing that that over two weekends at All Points East. Yep. That's pretty fucking incredible. That Bring Me The Horizon, yep. you know, when you think when the Strokes were headlining Glastonbury, Bring Me The Horizon were the most hated band in Deathcore. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're on par with each other. Yeah. It's just shows how things can change. It does. It's pretty fucking phenomenal. So, you know, you've, 
it's some story that bring me their eyes and were able to bring a bill like that together. And I know people have gone, well, there weren't many tickets there and, you know, we didn't sell this many tickets and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into that, but the fact that they put the show on, it wasn't quiet. I know, you know, there were a lot of, by all accounts, two-for-ones and ticket giveaways in the run-up to it and competitions where people were winning tickets and everything, but... You know, um, it's safe to say it was very easy to get a ticket to All Points East if yeah. one wanted to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. But um, but being that being said, it wasn't an empty. It wasn't the fullest packed, most packed festival I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But it was. It wasn't noticeably quiet by the time Bring Me the Horizon came on. I it wasn't like the, a at- lot of- the atmosphere wasn't dead. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Okay, cool. Um, so that's cool for Bring Me the Horizon. Um, I guess the only matter of contention is how they got there uh and what they've had to do to get there um because obviously we'll completely reinvent themselves yeah totally <laughs> completely and utterly reinvent themselves I mean, you know we've both said a bunch of times that we don't have any problem with them kind of abandoning a metal scene which had you know very no little respect no respect or, yeah, or interest yeah, yeah, yeah. in them whatsoever that's absolutely their prerogative to do that yeah um but they're better at doing metal than they are pop, is what I realised the other day. Oh, okay. They are better at that. Like mm-hmm. when they played Diamonds Aren't Forever, um, you suddenly went, wow, this mm-hmm. sounds great. Mm-hmm. Like this sounds fucking great. And you look around, you think there's a lot of people here and it's essentially a death core song. And it's growled and it's yep. really very, very heavy. Yep. Probably the most extreme thing played well, all day on the, on the metal day. Over the entire six days of every band, mm-hmm. that's probably as heavy as anything that's, gone, that's been played. And ha- anything that ever has been played or probably ever will be played at All Points East Festival. Mm-hmm. Right? Really, really genuinely heavy. Um. But then when you get a song like Medicine, mm. um, which is crap, let's be honest. Mm. Mm. It's a crap song. Um, it's really sappy. It's pretty shit. It, obviously, again, there was a lot of, not even studio trickery. It was just, Jordan Fish's shoulders must fucking kill from carrying that band around. Jordan Fish, there's a, <laughs> there's a point during Medicine where I looked at the screens and Jordan Fish was bright red in the face singing and the neck muscles with veins in his neck were bulging out mm. where he's strained to sing. And it cut to Ollie Sykes, who was apparently singing mm. as well. And he was sort of wandering down with the mic sort of a few meters away from his face yeah, with a big grin on his face. Yeah. And I thought, there's one person here, like mm. if you... What, one of these two people are singing yeah and one of these people uh, i'm not saying his mic wasn't turned on i think his mic probably was turned on mm-hmm. but uh i don't think you know he was doing much at that point um, i think i think 80% maybe even 90% of the talent that's in that band is in jordan fish personally i think they i wasn't interested in bring me at all until there is a hell yeah. And it was Jordan Fish coming on. And it's always the Jordan Fish stuff or the stuff that I suspect he does. 
yeah um that has interested the, me the most about that band by a by a long 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 way i think yeah. jordan fish is is genuinely a genius marred by <laughs> a not great band yeah <laughs> personally yeah, i mean the point i mean they brought i don't you know i don't want to like sort of sneer at ollie for not being a great singer but he's not a great singer. I mean, singer. if he's a vocalist, then you should sneer at him for not being a great singer. But the singer, thing is, well, I, well, he's that's a, all he does. Yeah, but the, th- the thing is, is like on, on Diamonds Aren't Forever, he sounded like a perfectly fine deathcore vocalist. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? His screams are good. His screams are good. In fact, he actually sounded good. On that screaming stuff, he sounded good. On the sung stuff, the more kind of songs. I mean, they did The Sadness Will Never End and they brought Sam Carter out. Mm-hmm. And that's when I went, fuck wow the difference is unbelievable it's like there used to be this show on bbc one about 10 years ago called um just the two of us or um something like that and and it was where they'd get like <laughs> sort of like heather from eastenders and pair up with luther vandross and they'd do a duet and it was all like sort of remember cr- this is so like some the weather girl from gmtv and Fergal Sharky, or they get like real singers. Okay. Heather Small and you know, the guy from the Halifax <laughs> adverts, right? And they'd have to do a duet. Okay. And it would always be like, don't go breaking my heart. I couldn't if I tried. <laughs> and it, and that's what that was like. Like it was like Ollie Sykes looked like a competition winner who was out to who was allowed to, you know, mm. sing with a real singer. When Sam came on, like yeah. he stitched himself right up mm. Mm. by bringing Sam out because that was when you went, Oh mate he's some distance <laughs> better than you. Uh, but, you know, fine. And 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 also, he... Um, of course, the show itself was spectacular in parts. Yeah. Some of it was very odd, which I thought was cool. They started to dress a bit like Slipknot. The drummer was wearing a mask. They were wearing boiler suits. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Ollie had a thing in his eye where he had like a sort of, um, like, one white eye. So they've gone to being like oh. they're starting to look like okay. when they do like they're doing sort of weird. He's sort of dressed like a Joker. Okay. Um, yeah. And I saw his crazy suit, red suit thing. Yeah, he had a sort of red suit, loads of patches on. He had this eye thing in, and they That's were the all. Thing. I'm more impressed with Ollie Sykes' clothes than I am with him these yeah, days. Yeah, I mean, you know, they look great, and now suddenly you look at it and you go, you, you think, you know, the visuals are very weird. Yeah. There's obviously quite a lot of thought being put into that and um that's good yeah when, when i last saw them i thought the show was terrible um, really they they i saw them at the o2 arena and on halloween actually and they had a screen which was probably like five or six stories high and i think everyone was like oh my god look at how big that screen is the old news big telly isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 once you got away from that though basically what was showing on it it just looked like a bunch of windows 95 screensavers yeah and i was like yeah, at one point boring. The, at the one point it was like the i think it was during um uh i think it was during sugar honey ice and tea where they had it, it looked like space invaders right. and there was another bit during um uh, I think it was a House of Wolves where it would look like the Mudvayne dig video. How <laughs> <laughs> bad the mud! I was like, "That's the dig video, okay. Mudvayne." Um, so yeah, but so it didn't all come off. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, well, at least <laughs> they it threw sounds a lot like, of stuff at it. So at they, least it sounds like they're trying something a bit different because like, yeah. that that O2 Arena show. So that was three or four years ago. It was on. That's not mm. the spirit. Um, I, I mean, I left halfway through that show. I found it fucking boring. Really? Yeah. Okay. So. I mean, they threw enough stuff at it so. You know, they got the um, 
they got the when they did they did a, a version of I think it's Can You Feel My Heart where they brought the string that yeah they brought the kind of string quartet because they did, they did that show at the um, Royal Albert Hall, Hall. Uh, a couple of years ago and they brought the kind of choir and the string quartet out for that that was cool they also brought Sam out we're reviewing a band next week called Quiet Lions who are uh, two members of that orchestra okay yeah. all right yeah and that was good um but then there was other stuff like you know, they did an acoustic version of sleepwalking which oh. like, don't ru- like you can't really sing and you're picking one of the songs which is like a massive banger yeah and he's making him do a sort of really minimalist version of it and it wasn't very good and james addiction used to do that he used to yeah. really piss me off and they uh and he did a bit, he sort of sat cross-legged. He cried on stage as well, which I thought was a bit... Oh, like, he said, oh, this band, we get slagged off and now we're playing a big thing. Oh, fucking hell. And then he started crying. He sat there cross-legged and I was a bit like, someone needs a timeout. So that was a, a, felt like a bit much, I thought. Mm. It didn't really feel that... Like, I remember when Damon Albarn... Do you remember Damon Albarn cried when um, on stage at Glastonbury? I don't remember that. And that at all. felt like that I remember seeing that and being like, I've never seen a musician like actually kind of break down on stage before. Mm. And Damon Albarn, when Blur came back in two thousand nine, they carried on singing the end of Tender, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And Damon went up to the mic and then he kinda of had to walk and he sat on the drum riser and he turned his back on everyone and the the screen showed him and he was properly bawling and obviously it's quite you know he's not been in the band the blur had been gone for mm-hmm. seven eight years and mm-hmm. you know they come back and headline glass him it's a really really big moment and he was just seemed like he was genuinely overcome by it all i didn't really get the impression that it was the same thing with ollie um but to to end up like i think overall they pulled it off okay i think overall they pulled it off like you know considering the the ticket sales and blah blah i, I think if that was the headline that headline download on a very, very strong weekend with two other very, very strong headliners, say Metallica and Kiss or something as the other headliners or, you know, Metallica and ACDC or whatever, or Iron Maiden and mm-hmm. whoever. And you put a, a similar bill to this one together. I think that would work at download. I do. You know, I think it was good. Enough. And I have to say the absolute highlight for me was watching a fully corpse painted up Danny Filth come on stage oh, with great. a shopping trolley. Oh, great. <laughs> do that bit at the end of wonderful life which oh fair that's cool. like that was really really wicked yeah um but they you know they've obviously there's a there's enough i think there's enough there was enough ambition shown by bring me the horizon to make me think that uh this might not be the last time that they do this and i hope it isn't to be honest i hope it isn't because when they were good they were good it's just there is there is still you know those questions. I mean, the, to me, to be honest, the questions about whether or not Ollie's mime or not they're, they're not questions anymore. That's just that's oh, it's the fact. Obvious. Like yeah. it's you know, I, I saw a few people go, no, no, his voice didn't sound good enough to be miming. It's like well, there's a difference between miming and just not really singing, like yeah. singing when yeah. it suits you. Yeah, and I think that's exactly it, isn't it? He sings when it suits him. Yeah, which is like. <laughs> 40% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you look over at Jordan Fish and he's bursting a blood vessel yeah, like, trying yeah, to hit those yeah, high yeah. notes. Yeah. So, um, but overall, I had, a, I had a really good day. 
If uh, Bring Me were announced as a headliner for download, mm-hmm. um, bearing in mind that metal fans have been quite toxic to them in the past, although I'd say for the last couple of albums, they've just kind of left them alone, really. Yeah. Do you think there would be a big outcry? Yeah, there w- Yeah, because mm. there would anyway, wouldn't they? I mean, yeah, yeah. a lot of those people are idiots, aren't they? They're having, yeah. a go to, they're having a go at Ghost now. Oh, Ghost. Ghost are getting called the spooky Nickelback or something now. And it's like, oh, it's like, God, they they're in death metal bands. Like, why don't you know anything about anything? Ghost are a death metal band. Well, they're all they're come from death Swedish band. death metal bands, don't they? Sure. They're all playing like doom bands when they were kids. Like, I wouldn't idea. call them a death metal. No, band. they're not a death metal band. But like, people are. Ma- but they're know, not Nickelback either. No, and they're people a, they're a psychedelic. They, 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 they look like a, a black metal band, and then they bloody sound like this. And it's yeah. like, well, well, they're a psychedelic. So just fucking King Diamond, you know? Yeah, King like, Diamond, yeah, exactly. They're a psychedelic seventies inspired rock band yeah but alice Cooper, pretty look, good at, look at alice cooper he should sound like you know a black yeah. metal band then right yeah. no yeah. anyway that was a weird little uh <laughs> detour talk about the saint pierre snake invasion memory. right so uh on the same day i went to something totally different at the black heart um, one of the smallest venues in london um the saint pierre snake invasion are a band who i have followed for a long time I first knew about, I first saw them at the first Arc Tangent. Uh, always have to bring in an Arc Tangent you reference. Do, yeah. um, but um, I've known about, this, about these guys for a while. And to be totally honest with you, I've never really been a massive fan. Um, their first album is decent, I think. It's yep. got a kind of 80s Matchbox Beeline Disaster esque kind of hardcore punky vibe to it. it, and it but it's very kind of knowing. And um, like, for example, They've got a front man, Damien, who is who is a fantastic front man, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of kind of almost co- comedic elements put into them on that first record. So, for example, like there's an album. Sorry, there's a song so, called um, uh, "The Only If the Only Way Is Essex, Then Kill Me Now" kind of thing. And I always just found that kind of knowing wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing. For some reason, I just found it irritating, to be honest. The reason I went to go and see them, and I don't really know how to do this review without spoiling it. It's basically... You like the new album? In a couple of weeks' time, St. Pierre, Snake Invasion are going to release one of the best albums of this year. Um, So, spoiler alert. Um, And um, they have just changed dramatically and become this, like, not overnight. It's taken sort of... There's been four or five years between records, but they've just obviously just gone, well, no, something's not quite right with him. They've just ramped everything up and there's some utterly amazing like the set comprised of mainly new material which of course most people haven't heard yet i think they did seven new songs like two or three old songs and that was it kind of thing and it was were you singing along were you singing along and then looking around at people as if to go i've heard this that's exactly what (laughs) i was saying yes um and um to be fair like those new songs, even though the majority of the room didn't know them, were really getting people G'd up. And I think that's a real sign of the quality of those songs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually remarkably complex, but have these kind of simple hooks and grooves to them that make you... Uh, that that just ingrain themselves into your head immediately, but because there's complexity to them as well, yeah, you don't feel like you've heard everything uh, within a couple of listens. Um, 
they're fucking brilliant now i have to, i just i have to just hold my hands up and go uh, not even that i was wrong before because i've always enjoyed them live but i i i just think they've turned into a fucking incredible band well, um, that's good to hear they are a fucking fantastic band there were and loads of gigs that day weren't there yeah it was the venom prison was playing that day as well i was really annoyed i thought venom you want to see censor and collapse lung didn't you? i did and i yeah missed it i was so annoyed um but uh yeah no that was to be honest whilst there was a lot going on in london that day when i was in that room and they uh, St. Pierre Snake Invasion were playing, I felt like I had absolutely made the right decision. Um, and probably the smallest of all the gigs that were happening in that room as well, uh, in London as well. So let's get to the big one then. So the next day, I went to see Alexis on Fire um, at Alexandra Palace. So it feels like we need to get the Ali Pali has shit sound thing out of the way quickly. Um, <laughs> take it as red. Yeah, just take it as red. Although. I was kind of surprised to see that a couple of days later, people tweeting and saying stuff like, you know, congratulations to the guy who did sound at, Alex on, uh, at Alexis on Fire on Saturday. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, I, these people's ears, I'm not sure what's wrong with them. It was it was still, the sound was the best I've seen at Ali Pali for a long time, but it was still You fucking, saw the sound, did you? Oh. The best I've heard right. at Alexandra Palace for Thank a long you. time. <laughs> if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well, Renfrew. <laughs> um, but um, to describe it as good or great is far from reality, I feel. At the end of the day, when you have a cavernous room which has a concrete floor and a literal glass ceiling, you're never going to get good sound in it unless you put speakers at both ends like Enter Shikari did. So... Um, but fair play, it sounded pretty decent for that room. But Alexis on Fire are just a fucking amazing band. You're kind of ho-hum about Alexis, aren't you? Really ho-hum, yeah. Really. I, there is not an Alexis on Fire album that I own or have listened to that I am, would go back to listen to. It really surprises me because I think they are a really special band i really i know people go batty for them i think they're fantastic i think they have that i say it a little bit in the interview that we did but i think they have that same push and pull in dynamics as a band like deftones do in terms of the push and pull between you know the melodic and the aggressive and stuff and the people do go do lally for that band like as soon as they came on people were going absolutely mad um and yeah, people absolutely. I think people love them more now than they did, you know, when the, the, on their initial run. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, unbe- undoubtedly. Like, yeah. There's no way they could have played fucking no Ali Pali when they were playing not. Brixton. I was like Brixton. Yeah, yeah. When they ended, I'm pretty sure they were only in like, maybe the Astoria sized venue. I I saw them at Borderline on their last record. Yeah, I'm sure it was on their last record. You know. And them being away has just made them absolutely massive. But to be honest, I do feel they deserve it, in my opinion. I think they are just a, a brilliant, brilliant band. The set list was um, actually not particularly catered to my personal taste. I'm actually a bigger fan of their latter material than their early material. And they played a surprising amount from their first album, which is, you know, I mean, some people are going to be annoyed about this, but not a very good album. Um, but it was kind of, it was cool to see that stuff because, you know, they don't often play it, basically. Loads of stuff from Crisis, as you would expect. I mean, they played Drunk 
Drunks, Lovers, Sinners and Saints third in the set, which is usually like a, you know, encore song or something like that. Um, and there was also um, new a, a new song in the form of uh, Familiar Drugs, which sounds really, really good. I think it's a really, really strong song. And if they do go on to um, do new material, um, then that is a strong indicator for it being good. Um, mm. because you know, when bands go away and then come back, you don't always necessarily want them to do new stuff because it might be rubbish, but mm. the two new songs they've released are fantastic and they played familiar drugs. They didn't play complicit, which is the other new one, but, um, yeah, I, I, I always enjoy Alexis live and I thought they were absolutely fantastic at Ali Pali and considering that Ali Pali dampens most bands for me to the point of nonchalance you know like seeing that's awful yeah see, seeing deftones yeah. at ali pali i was like you know one of my favorite bands ever i was like it's all right and it was nothing to do with deftones it's because that's such a dreadful venue but but yeah so fair play to alexis they were they were fantastic on uh fantastic on saturday i just fantastic fantastic i just hope that um i really hope we get an album at some point we'll have to see yeah, well, we will. We'll be reviewing it if they do. Absolutely. Yeah. That'll be interesting, won't it? It will be. <laughs> someone yeah. who doesn't give a shit and someone who <laughs> bloody loves them. <laughs> anyway, let's do some reviews for this week. The ones that we have that have got through the very stringent uh, screening process that we have for, for reviews. It's um, usually me going, no, don't want to do <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, we're going to start with Perry Farrell. This is um, the alt-rock legends third solo album although that is slightly debatable that said that is third solo album because one of them is a, a compilation and i'm going to flag that up now before you go well actually yeah. i wasn't <laughs> yeah. you know me so well yeah. actually steve he actually wrote that album to get out of his contract with warner brothers which yeah is what I was gonna so because that's true i do know that um <laughs> but uh he is obviously a legend of our time Absolutely. perry farrell yeah. undoubtedly a man who has um never fit into the traditional format of a rock star rock musician um he is genuine gen he is genuinely unique he is yes he is and i think this is a great example of the eclectic and bold nature Absolutely. of perry farrell as a man and as a musician so if, if it, this album feels like an album that could only come from perry farrell from the yeah from, from the, the mind, mind. Of, of perry farrell yeah. uh as i said did i say it's called king heaven that's what it's called it, it isn't though it's called kind heaven oh okay what are you gonna do about that uh, i don't know i've got that completely wrong haven't i why did i write king down then i have no idea it doesn't matter anyway it's called kind heaven you're right it's called kind heaven i'm yeah, just looking at the yeah. track listing now and then you're right it is yeah. um so uh Renfrey, hello have you ever listened to any of perry farrell's solo stuff before because i was always a bit scared <laughs> so was i because he's the mental one in a mental band yeah and even as much as i like porno for pyros i was about to say are we album. including porno for pyros um, in yeah, solo let, stuff let's no, not in solo stuff, but in terms of stuff that Perry has done. Okay. If we're not including Porno for Pilos, I have not listened to solo stuff until now. No, this no. is the first solo Me neither. record I've listened to. Um, even Porno for Pyro is a very, very, a very strange band, even in comparison to James Dixon, who mm. would have been a strange band mm. at the time when they came out. So I always... I think James would be a strange band now. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely they would, yeah. A um, brilliant band, but, but strange. But really strange. Um, so 
Uh, I didn't really know exactly what to expect from this record. Neither did I. And and like you have hinted at, I was a little bit cautious with it because I because I love Perry Farrell and I didn't want to. Well, yeah, I mean, it could be fucking anything, couldn't mm. it? You're like, oh, what is this going to be? There you are know. a few people in the scene, if you like, who when you think they've got a solo album out, I'd add Mike Patton's another one. Yeah. Uh, John Frusciante is another yeah. one where you go, this might be 70 minutes of discordant, unfathomable noise. Omar Rodriguez Lopez. Yes. Has released. That's the thing. So John Frusciante, just to use him as an example, and because it's going to counter what you think, I imagine, um, I think has released some fucking brilliant solo albums. He's also released some utter dross of solo albums i've not listened to enough of john frusciante's okay. solo stuff to have any kind of grasp on exactly what it is that he does really mm. i just have listened to bits and gone well it's very lo-fi oh yeah <laughs> most of it is yeah. Yeah. yeah um he admitted that his second album he released purely for money for heroin so <laughs> yeah well he know, actually admitted that once so could ask for it for christmas <laughs> like, that, uh, like that mitchell and webb sketch heroin for christmas uh, <laughs> you writing that down as a potential title yeah, for this week's good um <clears throat> so uh yes but, but perry farrell i have to say the surprise in this record was the fact that what we get is quite a nice pop rock record uh, oh yeah but uh in, in which parts? goes to loads and loads of different places it's incredibly eclectic this album it's very very eclectic uh but um surprisingly catchy throughout i thought really catchy surprisingly yeah. i don't want to say simple because no it's not simple not simple it probably isn't the right word but it's got a shit ton of hooks yeah, it's, it's, it's something that you can listen to and enjoy as you talk to someone and have a cup of tea with it on in the background for a lot of, the, for most of it, I would say. Well, you could, but I think that's a little bit, um, hmm, do you not think, do you not think there's more to it than that? I do. Okay. But I don't think, you know, there's more to it to the point where you would have that on in the background and, you know. Really good songwriters and really good artists, like Perry Farrell, are capable of writing a song which sounds like a summery pop song or, you know, like a straight-ahead rock song that can be played in the car while you're driving along, mind your own business, and you can go do-do-do-do-do and it sound nice, but also can have, yeah, can have layers to it where if you really sit down and concentrate listening to it, those layers slowly but surely reveal themselves. Yeah, so. okay, I think that's fair and to say. I wondered if Perry Farrell being able to completely indulge himself as a solo artist might go, fuck the hooks, mm, mm. fuck the pop, mm. fuck the, you know, the police? catchy guitar riffs, ah, fuck yeah. the police. Yeah. Um, let's make an album of, you know, I know he's a big fan of electronic music. Yeah. He's also a big fan of kind of folk music as well. I think he's a fan of kind of psychedelic music. And I wondered if we might get some kind of trancey, folk inspired i didn't know yeah i had no idea i didn't know and then when you get stuff that you know 70s influence like industrial influence psychedelica um, i think there's a lot know, of psychedelia on this album. hard rock like yep. sort of kind of straight ahead hard Electro-pop. rock pop all kind of melded together in jazz a, piano yeah you know and 
uh, lots of strings string i was gonna say strings strings and kind of female um like beautiful female uh vocal trade-offs with perry yep if you didn't want to spend much time digging into it you don't really you, you could do that and still really enjoy it I think you would be missing a hell of a trick if you didn't dig into yeah, it, though. I, I agree. I'm going to uh, read a little bit from the press notes, which isn't usually the most exciting thing in the world, but this is genuinely very interesting, Steve, I think. Designing the music to be experienced in an immersive fashion, Kind Heaven was recorded in stereo as well as binaurally and in Atmos surround sound to be presented at the Las Vegas Complex debuting in 2020 that will also bear the Kind Heaven moniker. After hearing the record, that Atmos surround sound sounds like it would be fucking cool. Uh, Because um, basically there's so many little things going on on this album. Do you know about binaural recording? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, tell everyone else. Cause... Well, I'm going to explain oh, it anyway, just thanks. in case. Binaural recording is... Do you want me to explain it? In... No, no, you do it. You, know, you, you, you brought it up, so you should probably do it. <laughs> binaural <laughs> recording is basically... So I'm, I'm not an expert in it at all, but it's mm. recording with two microphones. It's like which... two mics. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was... Which I believe are at um, the same distance as the human ears. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would have said yeah. ears, but yeah. human ears. <laughs> um, and it's meant to recreate basically sort of the sound of placing you in the studio, in the room. In the room. With the... Artist. Yeah, that Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Um, Pearl Jam uh, did this uh, on their album... Binaural. binaural yeah that's uh, I remember. <laughs> and um <laughs> uh, i really want to go versus <laughs> oh no <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about um and i fucking love it i think it's brilliant it's really meant to be listened to on headphones mm-hmm. um to get the full effect mm-hmm. um but especially when, when you do listen to it on headphones it feels like there's a sound coming from um northwest southeast east like it, it just it just feels like it's surrounding you somehow yeah some people really don't like it and find it really disorientating and strange i think those people are crazy people because i think it's amazing i love it it's it's a really cool thing to do and um especially on an album like this which just has so many layers and little bits and pieces going on mm. I do think you're absolutely right. You could just you could just listen to this as sort of radio rock in the background if you wanted to, but you would be missing so much. If- well, this is what it was actually going to lead me on to because I first listened to this, as I often do, just in the living room um, out loud on yeah. my not great... St- I've got a very nice stereo system in my spare room, oh. but I've got a, not as good a, a system in um, in the living room. And I was listening to this in the living room and I was like, yeah, this is fine. But then I put it on my headphones. Yeah. yeah. And that is very different an experience. And that's cool. Like, do you know what I mean? That's um, uh, like, like you quite rightly say, like it, I love those albums that give, and there's been a few recently that I've said, you know, this really changes the your experience, the national. And uh, Color, surely. Yeah. 1975 album. 1975. Was yeah. a very, very different listen on the headphones. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and this is another one of those. I think It rewards... Um, it rewards audio files in a world of 
non-audio files. Yeah. I mean, these days... Oh god, I'm going to sound old again. I sound old a lot on this show, um, but mm. you know, so many you get so many people who just like fucking listen to music out of their laptop speakers or whatever. Yeah. And like, the thing is, if you did that with this album, you'd probably be like, yeah, it's okay. But if you actually listen to it as intended, you know, with a decent sound system or on a decent pair of headphones or whatever, it it just comes to life. It's this huge smorgasbord of like, it's like a musical zoo. There's just so I I don't know what I mean by that either, but no. it seems fitting. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> doesn't it? Like mm. like I actually haven't got a clue what I meant by that, but yet it seems correct with it Perry does. Farrell. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just it's just there's so much going on. It's so kaleidoscopic and multicolored and multi-layered and mm. and yeah, you you could totally listen to this as background music, but you'd be missing out so much. I mean, you could you could you know you could buy a stamp with the Mona Lisa on it and look at the Mona Lisa like that, or you could go to that place in France where it is. Where is it again? The Louvre. There we go. Yeah, you could go there and see it. Yeah. Although Fuck actually, that. That, you got a queue. Up, you got a queue. Like- no, I don't do that. Or you could get a big A3 poster of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it would be just the same. Um, I mean, I think uh, you're right. Like, it's a very different listen on headphones, and I agree with all the things you say. In terms of the actual material, I don't think it's a perfect record by any stretch of the imagination. No. I think there's some really, really cool stuff on it. I think Pirate Punk Politician, which I believe is the first single, is a great kind of dance rock banger. Um, I-, I felt like that could have... Uh, slotted very easily onto Strays, mm. the their first the Jane the first Jane's Addiction comeback album. Yeah, um, Machine Which, Girl is a great kind of slinky nineties yeah. uh, rock number. Um, but then you get a song like "Let's All Pray for the World," which is a little I found a bit nauseating. I have to say. Ah, okay. Mm. Um, <laughs> for me, it's the best song on the record by really. Far. Fucking hell, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and okay. I even and I even said a song like this could very easily tip into um, Michael Jackson, Slush, yeah. Michael Jackson, heal the world territory. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and and I I felt like it didn't. Um, and I think particularly with the binaural experience, like listening to it properly like that, it just sounds amazing. I think it sounds fucking brilliant um and it is actually by far my favorite song on the record is it i, I love it um I, I i fair enough if you think it's slushy i fine. do a bit yeah I, I i didn't i you know i i really could have done without that but does then, it feel like a children in need single to you? yeah a little bit yeah. i mean but do you know what there's a few bits like that and then and, and for the the thing is is that for the most part those sort of songs won me over mm-hmm. like there's a song called one which has this female mm-hmm. pop vocal which yep. almost I, I wasn't sure about at first it felt like a kind of modern auto-tuned version of the cardigans mm-hmm. but with perry farrell singing mm-hmm. um but after a couple of a couple of listens I actually really loved it. I think that yeah. is one of my favourite songs, if I, not my favourite song on the record. I definitely, on first listen, I was pretty ho-hum about one. Yeah. And now I really like yeah, it. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. I really do like it. There's, I, you know, I would say there's nothing on this record that I dislike. No, um, there's nothing that I really, really dislike. There's a couple uh, of songs which I think are just fine. Like, Spend the Body Yeah, I was going to say, fine. to me, the second half of the record is not the not the best i think when you go from like machine girl into one into where have you been all my life that's great and i think it starts pretty good where have you been all all my life was one of the songs i thought was quite a weak track actually oh really i I mean again i don't dislike it i just Mm. i just there's songs on this record that i love and then there's songs that i like Mm. and that's one that i like rather than love 
fair enough. But yeah, but I did think, yeah, um, more than I could bear, spend a body, let's all pray for the world. It wasn't the strongest ending to the record, which sort of let, like, it felt that, it let me down a little bit on the in the end. But overall, I really, you know, I do like it. Mm. Yeah, I like I, this. I, I, no, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I enjoyed what, what, what I got. Yeah. More than anything, I think Perry Farrell's got a great voice. He's just yeah. got, he still sounds really good and he still sounds really unique. And he's got, um, this kind of sits somewhere in between like, or it could sit like one of the things I was going to say about it. I actually made this a note and I thought you must make sure you say that. Um, there are bands and artists that are coming out now that I think they are struggling with a sense of identity regarding their age. We spoke about Paul Weller last year and obviously we were very, very, um, well, me particularly was, very disappointed in the, the latest Paul Weller album, we even though it sounded, even though, yeah, yeah pro- it was produced really well. Um, and we spoke at Morrissey last week. I think this is much closer to the Morrissey record than it is to the Paul Weller record in terms of how good it is. Um, I, I, I would say it's much better than the Morrissey record, personally. I think mm, it's much more interesting. Maybe it's much more interesting. Yeah, it's probably much more interesting. I'm not mm. sure that I... I would go with better as well, personally. But yeah. mine, I mean, you like the Morrissey I record. I really like the Morrissey record. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I really, really like the Morrissey record. I, I'd say they're on par, to be honest. Mm. Okay. Um, I might just prefer the Morrissey album a little bit. But... Fight. <laughs> yeah. But fight. But there are but these bands and these... Sorry, these artists, people like Perry Farrell and Morrissey and Paul Weller have been around a long time. And, and what I do think is cool, and I think what Morrissey undoubtedly whatever you feel about the Morrissey album what Morrissey and Perry Farrell have managed to do that Paul Weller didn't manage to do is transition into a different stage of their career Mm -hmm. doing you know I mean we haven't heard Perry Farrell's other solo material so we can't say if it's different or not but um but certainly it's different from Jane's Addiction it's different from Porno for Pyros Mm -hmm. and but it still feels like Perry Farrell is comfortable within himself when yes. he's doing it. And I, I think that, that is a very, very difficult thing to do. I mean, you know, Ian Brown is another one. Mm. Ian Brown, who hasn't really even tried to sort of reinvent himself or do anything particularly different on his last album, but sort of failed significantly to to to, to get anywhere near his best stuff. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm going to throw away Ritual and Ritual de la Habitual for this. But no. I do think that it's, it's cool that Perry Farrell has is not sticking to the same formula and is still making good music. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I think there's a, there's a lot going on on this record mm. and it could have easily become like this really big disjointed mess, basically, because there's yep. so many different styles and so many different kind of... Uh, genres. Genres and all sorts of things going on with it. But Farrell's voice acts as a kind of guide that goes through this sort of almost magical mystery tour, you yeah. know, um, of, of uh, and, and in that sense, it is very Beatles-esque, I think, mm. you know, in, in, in that kind of rainbow, rainbow-esque colourful kind of way. It's so flamboyant and kind of effeminate and so him. Mm. Um, and we've, we've moaned about albums, we were just talking about Bringing Me the Horizon, we've moaned about albums that are sounded mixtapey and don't really work as a cohesive whole. Um, and on paper, there's no way this would work as a cohesive album, but no. it, but it is Perry Farrell himself that makes it work. It's him and his vocals and his style that makes it a cohesive piece of work. I 
I really like it and I was so pleasantly surprised by it. Mm. I think it's very good. It's much better than I thought it was yeah. and it's it's much better in a lots of different ways yeah. than I thought it was going to be. Um, so there you go. It's called Kind Heaven, um, the second stroke third solo release from Perry Farrell and it is out right now. So enjoy that if you're a fan. You probably will. If Let's All Pray For The World became the new comic relief single, would you buy it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, on, on, uh, on tape. Not tape, yeah. It's better than Love Will Build a Bridge, isn't it? Yeah, but not as good as The Stonk. The Stonk, I don't remember. Hail and Pace. Remember that? Oh, oh, that's a memory that hasn't been... Is it as good as... Oh, uh, God. That's quite Yeah. Is it good as um, Spirit in the Sky with Gareth Gates and the Kumars? Oh, God. (laughs) What a ridiculous country we are. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, let's move on. Um, Pelican, our next album is by Pelican. Uh, Nighttime Stories is the name of the album. It is the sixth album from the instrumentalist Riffers. Although I say sixth album, I'm not having you picking me up on this because their back catalogue is so insanely, ridiculously vast from EPs and splits and seven inches and exclusive whatevers. I wasn't going to pick you up on it. It's it's their sixth full-length studio album. It is their studio sixth album. full-length yes, studio yes. album. Yes, I, I as, agree with you. As, there are, there are shitloads of EPs. Bloody hell, Pelican's back catalogue. Yeah is massive yeah, it's yeah. fucking massive they're like the bloody grateful dead um <laughs> but they're not really are they they're actually uh listen to this album do you know what what i how i've penned pelican because we've spoken to them about a, a little bit before um they're like the pop punk sun <laughs> aren't they it's the same <laughs> idea as sun but instead of it being 20 minutes long and nothing happens it's six minutes long and a few things happen. <laughs> I can't tell if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, oh. I was just going to say they're a post-metal band because <laughs> that is what they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pelican are kind of considered um, one of the uh, w- one of the better post-metal bands as well. Um, they're usually sort of lumped in with the same... Uh, in the same degree as bands like Russian Circles mm. or If These Trees Could Talk or like, yeah, you know, well-established, very good bands. Um, and I have to say, if I'm totally honest, I've always quite liked Pelican, bearing in mind that this album is a bit of me, mm-hmm. instrumental, post-metal mm-hmm. or post-rock. Um, you know, one might be surprised to hear that like, I'm, I'm actually generally fairly ho-hum about Pelican. I've always thought that they are decent but they've never really 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 moved me if i'm honest yeah i am the same actually renfrey i think Mm. i Mm. got their fourth ep when it came out on hydra head and i was in the middle of you know just buying whatever came out on hydra head at that point i think and this is going back like 2005 maybe so i think it's kind of just after people started properly spending their time paying attention to neurosis and cult of luna had come out and coma had come out and there was a lot of and canute were out and all these sort of bands yeah exactly and pelican came along and i was like oh good another one of them and i went to see them supported by these arms of snakes oh which was a fucking great gig and pelican were actually very good but these arms of snakes were Mm. just just destroyed just blew blew them off the stage um so I went into this with fairly, I have to be perfectly honest, pretty limited uh, expectations, really. Because like I say, I think the difference between when you talk about post-rock bands and post-metal bands, um, the, the, the principle behind Pelican doesn't tend to be, 
I always think that Pelican are much more straightforward than those bands. That I don't think then the Cult of Luna is a nice yeah yeah, yeah I would yeah. agree with that definitely. yeah they yeah. they feel like I often I, I mean I know I've I know they've said we don't have a vocalist so that people can't tell what kind of genre we belong in because if we had someone singing people would call us like a post hardcore band and if we have someone shouting then people would call us a, a metal band hmm. um so I believe that's why they don't have a vocalist but it's all quite straightforward isn't it it's all just like big riffs and you know it's not as much to it as the very very best of this scene the very best of this band if you listen to like i don't know if you listen to mariner by cult of luna mm-hmm. and julie mm-hmm. christmas mm-hmm. i mean so much is going on so much thought and so much craft has been put into that record like slowly teasing everything out very very gradually very subtly i just don't think pelican not only do they not do that i don't even think they try and do that that's the thing i i don't yeah i I, you know with all due respect i don't think that's a brilliant comparison the cult of lunas and isis stuff and and all that sort of thing i don't that's what that's the same thing well no i don't but that's what they always get lumped in with isn't it yeah and as an instrumental metal band like i think that's musical journalist laziness they, they, they 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 to me they sound in the past, to me, they have sounded like an inferior Russian circles. Mm. And that's the closest that I would... Yeah, there's a bit of... Yeah, I mean, definitely they do. I think Russian circles are the band they sound most like. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to go in this direction, uh, looking at you, but I, I've sort of set all that up to say that, you know, I'm ho-hum about Pelican. And um, I was really pleasantly surprised at how much I like this album. Mm. I think it's... Um, I think I think it's really good, and I think it is by far the best thing they've released that I've heard. I've heard most of what they've done. Mm. Um, it just feels tighter, tauter, more dynamic, um, and it feels like there's more of a. There's, it's, it's been six years since their last full length, yeah, and it almost feels as if they've kind of decided they've really worked on this album and to make it like I, I said earlier in this review that they've never really moved me emotionally I've always like I've always enjoyed putting them on and like having them in the background or whatever but I've never been really moved by them um that's not the case with this record it really kind of gets my blood pumping a bit more than other pelican stuff does and I actually a beat it with some of their other records and I, I really do think it's quite a step up Okay. Um, I don't know if it's maybe because there are um, more emotional resonances with this album, which you might not pick up on what those album, what those emotional resonances are, uh, being, being an instrumental album. But mm. I picked this up from NPR, um, who are streaming the album. Two of Pelican's members um, also belong to the group Tusk, whose singer Jody Minnock died in. 2014 of an undiagnosed heart defect nighttime stories was a title for a tusk album proposed by minnick and pelican chose it in part as a tribute to their late comrade all right so and you know the last record that i remember like post-metal or post-rock record being written as a tribute to like someone who passed away in the band was um dust and disquiet by caspian which Mm. i think is basically the best instrumental album 
of the decade, more or less. Mm. Spoiler for our albums of the decades. Um, so for our instrumental albums, <laughs> <of the decade. laughs> um, I do not think that this album is as good as that. As Dustin's is quiet because that is you know the pinnacle as far as I'm concerned. But may maybe it is that that has made me gravitate towards this album more than um, than their other stuff. But I, I don't think this is the absolute best of the best, but I do think it's very, 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 very good. And I do think it's the best thing they've ever done, personally. I, I mean, I wouldn't know enough of their back catalogue to say whether or not this is the best thing they've ever done. What I will say is that I found it, you know, pretty enjoyable. It's eight tracks. It's 44 mm. minutes long. Um, the songs aren't that long. No. So it doesn't really outstay its welcome. It um, feels trimmed and tight and taut. Yeah, like, yeah, it feels, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think it gets boring at any no, point. No, I, I thought it started really strong. Mm-hmm. The The first track's called Midnight and Mescaline, and it's an old school metal banger. Yeah. Like it's got a great bass solo in the middle of it, like a proper Iron Maiden bass um, sort of uh, run on it. I mean, I did think to myself, this would be great with a vocal hook over top of it like i couldn't okay. help myself but i did think that even though i you know i know that you're not going to get one but um, vocals so often ruin metal records as well you know so yeah. often yeah yeah but i think <laughs> yeah but i don't know it's just i, I guess that's when if you're used to it and that's what mm. you're used to like mm. i just felt like that that is such a such a rager it's mm. like something you can imagine mastodon doing it yeah do you know what i mean it sounded yeah, like yeah, a mastodon yeah. song it, it, and it's, it was it was really good it's got a drive to it which yeah. even i think that song and um uh, abyssal pet plane as well particularly have this drive to them that even i will admit as a massive fan of this music post metal and post rock doesn't always have yeah. sometimes it's a little bit too meandering for its own good and i don't think that's the case no no i mean abyssal planet show it's got it's almost got like a punk rock a choppy punk rock riff yeah, on it. yeah yeah um i thought that's wicked um cold hope has got a really cool rhythmical thing at the start of it I which i thought like, was wicked as irresistible well. like head banging every yeah. time cold hope comes on my my neck just starts going i just i yeah yeah that's very russian so um, very good uh, then it stared at me has got this kind of cinematic thing like it could be on a a coen brothers movie oh, do you know yeah, what i mean nice. and the sort of sunsets on yeah uh like jonah coen brothers like it had a bit of that as well um i but i think you know the last few tracks not necessarily the best tracks on it, my favourite, but I just think they're the most dynamically interesting tracks. The last sort of three, oh, right. I would say. That oh, so you said it starts good. And I think it starts good as a, and it, it sounds like a metal record. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think yeah, it starts yeah. good and it makes you go, yeah, this is great. But I was sort of going, ah, God, I'd like a, I'd like a vocal hook. I'd oh, like okay. someone to come in and go raw over the top of it. Uh, but I liked it. Um, there's nothing on it that I don't like. Mm, this is mm. the thing. I don't think there's anything on this record that I actively don't, enjoy but you know the title track um and arteries of blacktop i think they're the two that are probably and then full moon black water as well the kind of closing one was is the eight minute long that's the mm. long one mm. they're the ones that feel dynamically more in in line with with a band like russian circles yeah than than that. everything else from the rest of the record which you know it, it's almost like two halves i feel like this record okay i feel like it's a kind of two half record where the first half is quite straightforward quite um you know fat free riff yeah. heavy yeah. head banging music and then the second half of the record is a bit more expansive a bit subtler and i think because i don't know if it would have made more sense to try and mix those two things up mm-hmm. um 
but it certainly means that it's I, I, in fact, I don't really think it matters I think it, it actually like this like I say this album it kept my attention mm. but I certainly was I was more it's weird because I feel like I'm more interested and more sort of intrigued by the second half of the record but I got more pleasure from the first half of the record that sounds great though because that sounds yeah. like you're getting an immediate kind of thing with the first part half of the record but then you have kind of like a nice aperitif with mm. the second half of the record yeah, maybe that you can good. dig into a bit like a bit we, we talked about white silence by caving yeah. last week it's, yeah, 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 just, yeah. it's a similar sort of thing yes yes yeah, yeah absolutely i actually didn't care very much for this the first time i heard it and it's grown on me uh kind of exponentially over the, oh, as, the as the week has gone on i think by the sort of fifth sixth listen i listened to, i gave it a quick listen today before you came over which is probably about nine eight nine listens in and it and i was like and because i was writing i'd written some notes for it and i was like and it was a bit like yeah it's fine and then i started changing it and go oh, actually that's really good oh, yeah. actually that's really good yeah so yeah i think it's um i think it's good i think it's decent okay i'm not i'm still at the point where i i'm not like amazed by it because i have to say if there was a vocalist on those first four songs, I think it could be, it would be it could be fucking great. I did miss the vocalist a bit at the start, but it's cool. Depends on the vocalist, I guess. It does depend on the vocalist. I mean, Neil I've... Fallon is the vocalist that. It, oh, that yeah. It well, with Neil Fallon would improve anything, but yeah. but yeah. Um... Not Love Island. <laughs> Even Neil Fallon couldn't. Oh, yeah. hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I. I mean, I suppose as someone who is drawn to this kind of music, it's probably not going to sound like a massive surprise that I actually really love this record. But it was a surprise for me be- mm-hmm. because of what I set up with Pelican beforehand. I like, I've never, I've always just been like, yeah, Pelican are okay. Yeah, but but you know, if they come to town, I'll see them like every other time they come. I'm not like mega. Yeah, I, I saw them at Arc Tangent last year. Right, and. It's the first time I'd seen them since um, that the the show that I saw them with these arms of snakes, and I wasn't really. Mm. I got mm. bored quite quickly. I have mm. to say. Well, they're coming. They they announced a date at Islington Assembly Hall in London. Um, they're coming over in October, and before hearing this album, I was basically like, eh, I might go to that. Now I am. I'm definitely going because oh, cool. I want. I want to hear this stuff live. Um, Good. And and I think yeah. I I don't think. It, I don't think it's the best example of this genre or anything like that, but I do think it's the best Pelican album by by quite some way as well. Right. Actually. Well, that is uh, that's good news then. Um, it's called Nighttime Stories. It's by Pelican. It's out right bloody now. Now um, let's get to something which is is very odd. Yeah. Uh, the band are called Motanka. Um, this is their self titled debut record that we're going to talk about. They are a Ukrainian post folk metal band. Yes. They are a band who use traditional Ukrainian instruments um, alongside uh, vocals sung in their native tongue, um, giving this a fairly flamboyant and unusual flavour for a record, I would say. But it still leans quite heavily in the world of tech metal and progressive metal and, as I mentioned, folk metal. Um, In the same similar sort of way as, uh, do you know Empty Yard Experiment from Dubai? I don't know. They uh, maybe I'll give you that on a trade-off one day because they really their debut album is really really good. Okay. Um, they're an excellent band. Uh, Remfrey, I'm pretty intrigued as to your thoughts on this band because I genuinely don't know which way this is going to go. Um, okay, well I'm going to do a little bit more uh, spiel first. So they okay. are a um, 
they refer to themselves as mystic metal, mm. which it's kind of a shame in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's not the greatest moniker in the world. I do understand why they've given themselves that. I mean, it's not inaccurate. Um, English is their second language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and I, you know. I shouldn't be too harsh about that, but um, and the the when you were talking about the uh, the traditional Ukrainian instruments they used, I actually looked up what they were. Just a little bit of um, history. Mm-hmm. History, fucking hell, education, culture, culture. There we go. So they basically they use a dulcimer, and a dulcimer is a type of like musical stringed instrument, which is it's a variety of a zither. You know what a zither is, right? Yeah. Yeah. A zither is usually an instrument that consists of many strings. And when I looked at pictures on Google, like we're talking like 18, 24 strings yeah. uh, across a thin, flat body, it's usually sort of played sitting down. There's loads of different ways that you can do it, but it's got, it looks fucking complex and ridiculous. It looks like you have to be a, an amazing brain to be able to play it. Mm-hmm. They also have an ocarina, which will be familiar to fans of Zelda, the second time that's come up today. Uh, you were the first one first wasn't recorded, was, so yeah, we never should mind. probably. Renfrey act. wants musicism to buy him a Twitch. <laughs> a Switch. Switch. Not oh, a Twitch. Switch. <laughs> <laughs> What's Twitch then? I don't know. Twitch is something they stream it live. They stream oh, that's games right. live. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wants, yeah, they want <laughs> to buy him a Switch. Yeah, if uh, yeah, if you guys could get me a Switch, please, that'd be great. <laughs> Patreon.com um, forward slash right act podcast. <laughs> um, an Ocarina. Just a £320 a month, please. <laughs> An ocarina is an ancient wind instrument. Don't laugh. Um, traditionally made from clay or ceramic. Mm-hmm. Um, it has lots of holes on it and you, you blow into it and you press down the holes like a recorder. But it's nicer than a recorder because recorders are shit, aren't they? Yeah, rubbish, yeah. Um, and I would say that, it, so it has those in, that instrumentation with a kind of what I'm going to call K-scope prog metal. Yes. Um, yeah, so you know what I mean. I if you, you are mean, unfamiliar yeah. with K-scope, they do lots of prog. <laughs> um, bands like Anathema, bands like, help me out. I can't think of anyone else um, on K-scope now. It's, every single person has just sake. completely fucking vanished out of my mind. The Pineapple Thief. Oh, yeah, 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 the Pineapple Thief. Uh, I think uh, Stephen Wilson on K-scope. Yes, he is Stephen he is, Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, and it's kind of like prog metal, which this is going to sound disparaging, and I don't mean it in a disparaging way because I actually love a lot of Case Ghost stuff. But but prog metal, which will and can appeal to people who are maybe forty, fifty, mm. sixty. It, it's kind of it's heavy enough, but it will also have. It's not going to like scare off people, I suppose. Yes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really interesting, uh, sound, a Mm. really interesting, unusual, I think it's a little bit of a stretch to call it unique, but certainly not something I've quite heard before. Mm. Um, well, certainly kind of, you know, one of the reasons I brought it in, so I heard this and it was, you know, obviously global metal has become, uh, a thing recently hasn't it it's become quite a kind of hot topic and we've not covered very and we've much not of really covered very much of it so no. i wanted to bring something in from um from the further reaches of the globe and i mm. thought of all the ones that i'd heard these were like you say one of the more interesting ones yeah um yeah. for sure and i think there's actually some some really cool shit on it as well i agree it's definitely a grower um, yeah i think the first time i heard it i was just kind of like hmm 
And now I'm at the point where I'm like, I think this is pretty damn good. I think it's good. Uh, there's a song in it called Oi Tai Moya Zemel. Fair play. Which I think Keep is how you pronounce it. Which kind of manages to sound a bit like System of Down, a bit like Tall, and a bit like, oh, I don't know, tourist ass almost like you know there, there is there is a, that two Euro- out of three ain't bad no i know <laughs> or it, it's interesting you know like there is there's de- there's definitely a bit of that kind of euro metal there is yeah cheese which sometimes puts me off but i don't yeah. think there's a there's there's not enough of it to put me off. no and there's yeah. it there's enough going on around and about it like you say yeah. the, the k-scope thing and also this difference of instrumentation to definitely make it um, make it like a cool thing. I think there's a, a song called Vora, which starts with this tribal chanting, which is really cool. But then you, a lot of times when you hear that, you might expect some sort of, you know, very cheesy sort of old school metal, like wow, wow to come out. But when the riff comes in, it's like, it's legit heavy. Like it's actually really, really heavy. It wrong foots you a lot, this album. Yeah, it does. Yeah, which is, which is really what's does. really nice about it. And there um, are some straight up just, prog metal bangers on it i mean like you know we've mentioned people like you know we mentioned porcupine tree and stephen mm-hmm. wilson and stuff like that and if you like the you know i really love like fear of a blank planet mm-hmm. era porcupine tree which you know felt like there was the, the bangers on there and dead wing as well like that kind of era porcupine tree where they were writing proper prog metal bangers there's a song in it called horizon which is like a full-blown prog metal banger it's great mm-hmm. it's really really good um I mean, I don't think the songwriting is perfect on this, and it certainly way outstays its welcome. It's like four, it is too long. fourteen, yeah. fifteen tracks, and some yeah. of them go on sort of six, seven minutes. Yeah, it's way too long. Yeah, it's way too long. It's a real like. I mean, we, we say it a lot about albums being too short and too long and blah blah, blah and yeah. lengthwise, but this is undoubtedly one of the albums where it's inescapably too long. It could easily shave ten minutes, probably even fifteen. I, quite yeah, I, I was going to say twenty more harsh mistress um but but you know i i the song is not perfect but it's so it's so tonally unusual yeah yeah exactly. that i wanted to kind of bring it in and i think they could end up being a very excellent i think they could end up being really good well especially bearing in mind this is very impressive considering it's their debut album yeah and they're definitely ones to sort of um look out for i think um you you made a tool comparison earlier which you know is definitely not something to be taken lightly but there is a there's something in there kind of like mysticalness it's the the tall songs that it recalls are stuff like um uh reflection from lateralis mm-hmm. and um maybe even right into from Ten Thousand days yeah. when tall go really mystical middle eastern e eulogy a little bit of eulogy yeah mm. um maybe even a little bit of lateralis the title track yeah i was gonna say that would be um and you know that is cool that that is a really cool thing to take on because to take on that kind of a lot of bands have tried to do that sort of thing and really fucked up like it sounds you know dreadful and and i don't think that's the case with this at all i think it sounds really good um you know not tall quality but then anyone expecting a a band to be tall quality on their debut album is um not living in the real world (laughs) um but yeah no this is a really interesting record and and i certainly you know the more i listened i think at first i was like 
I, I immediately knew why you'd brought it in because it immediately you go, okay, this is a really interesting sound. Mm. But at first I thought the first time I listened to it, I thought I was going to be like, I think it's an interesting sound, Steve, but I just doesn't really move me in any way. Mm. But the more I listened to it, the more I was like, there's some really cool stuff going on here. Yeah. It's not the finished article, but it's definitely, definitely a super promising start. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. So uh, they're called Motanka. Uh, and that's the name of the album as well. It's a debut album. They are Ukrainian. Um, and I think they become the first ever Ukrainian band to be covered on Riot Act. They probably are. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they'll be celebrating in the streets of Kiev with Andrei Shevchenko tonight, won't they? <laughs> Undoubtedly. Obviously. <laughs> so uh, the last uh, release we're going to talk about is from a band called Pleiades. Uh, it's uh, the second EP from a Manchester-based post-metal act sort of post-metal is that fine can you call it that yeah i think, I think so yeah uh it's called all at your mercy it's an ep um i vaguely remember hearing their name being bandied about a few years ago i think i had a kind of quick listen and then just sort of forgot that they were a thing um i don't think i'll be forgetting them this time no. <laughs> renfrey do you want to pick up on uh, on this, since All this right. was kind of your idea, it was these or Heart of a Coward that we were going to do this week, just to let people know. And it's ended up being these, and I, it's a pretty correct decision, right? Right, Jesus, come uh, on, fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I would say, yeah, as you said, it's their second EP, their Manchester-based band. I think um, they have a really interesting take on the post-metal thing in that they're incredibly dynamic, something that we talk about a lot as being a very good thing. There's a kind of uh, feminine quality to the vocals, which is very unusual in this yes. kind of post-metal. I even, I only made this, I've had this EP for a little while, but I only made this distinction coming on the bus listening to it here. He almost went, during the clean singing, um, the vocalist almost sounds like Brian Molko a little bit from Placebo, which is... That's it. There you go. Do you know go. what? I was, earlier on, I was listening to it, because there's one song on it called Ultra, yeah. which goes from sounding like, and I'd put sound like The Breeders for some reason, because oh. it's got a real like 90s alt rock, but female fronted mm, mm. something. I was like, mm. is it Sonic Youth? Is it The Pixies? Is it The Breeders? I kind of settled because of not the actual sound of the vocals, but more the sound of the music on like Ride. Mm. Or something. Do you know what I mean? It was mm. like one of those kind of um, shoegazy yeah. indie bands from the Swerve 90s. Driver. That goes, yeah, Swerve Driver goes like that into Wilhaven in the blink of an eye. Mm. Um, that's cool. That's really good. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> it really is cool. good. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, the vocalist's name is Andy Calderbank and he, um, that is right, isn't it? Yeah. And so at one moment uh, singing cleans, he sounds like Brian Molko. <laughs> But then as soon as the heaviness comes in, yeah, as you say, like the screams on it, yeah, it's going to like a Grady kind of thing with Will Haven. And, and the the juxtaposition is really strong and really yeah. powerful. You've mentioned Ultra already, which I think is a fucking fantastic yeah, really track. Um, I also really like, there's a song on here called Alpha, which I think is brilliant. And the mm -hmm. title track, All at Your Mercy. I feel like at their best, um, Pleiades, they just show this incredible sort of mature understanding of dynamics and textures, light and sound, uh, light and shade, I should say. Um, and, you know, at their best, it's a really sublime record, I think. And even, to be honest, at its worst, it's still very good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> um, it is good. I mean, I'd say it's solid at the very least at its worst. Mm. Um, but when, but 
I really wanted to bring it in because I just thought for a band on their second EP, at their best, it's really quite special. I think. Yeah, I mean, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about Devil Soul to Soul. Now, I love mm, Devil mm, Soul to mm. Soul. And I think if you like that really slow building, expansive, almost hypnotic metal, mm. then this will be of massive interest to you. Yes. But also, if you if you don't, if you like kind of quite melodic and melancholic music i think if you can handle the fact that it gets heavy yeah i think you might enjoy it as well i agree um i just they they have a very they're very clever with their composition yeah the way they put there's there's a song called Mesa, which is one of the few that you haven't mentioned mm-hmm. um and that has a really cool kind of double time drum beat over a really it sounds like a really lax guitar part do you know mm-hmm. what i mean it seems like a real kind of slacker riff and those two things don't usually work. No. And uh, no one really tries to make them work, mm. particularly like mm. a really kind of frantic drum and then a really kind of lackadaisical guitar slide. Mm. I don't know many bands that would even bother thinking about that as an idea. Do you know mm. what I mean? And mm. yet they do it and it makes it sound. It's very recognizable as, like I say, kind of shoegaze indie, um, sort of glammy, like, I guess, kind of second album era placebo mm. when you say about brian Molko, because yeah. yeah. it's not quite the first album yeah. i think um but without you i'm nothing yeah that's it that's what it's called oh no that was just a general oh general, thank you yeah, yeah. no that you're, you're right and um <laughs> uh into this kind of will haven and um uh earth tone nine style metal as well that's like, a great show mm, i didn't think about that yeah, mm. yeah. and i think yeah I, I think i think people will enjoy them yeah i i, I just i was really surprised by this i god oh i might cut this but i get sent a lot of eps from metal hammer and the majority of them are fucking awful and um this was one of the eps that hammer sent me and i was just kind of expecting another you know really shitty metal core band. Album, yeah, yeah death core album or something and i was so taken aback um I, I I just thought this is really promising and much better than any band on a second EP has any right to be. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, like, you know, sometimes they just sound like an incredibly heavy cigarose. Yeah. And I, and, do, I, and, and I think that's a cool, you know, in that similar way that Solstafir do or something like that. And yeah. I think that is really cool. And considering a band are doing that on their second EP, that's very, good work a mature songwriting for one of a better term you know yeah, it's, sure. it's cool i like yeah. it so there you go they're called pleiades uh the ep is called all at your mercy it is only their second ep so sh- you know fingers crossed we get an album at some point from them and i would be really interested to hear yeah. what they managed to do on album number one so let's close up uh this week's show with trade-off um i i think i sort of said at the top of the show one of the weirdest trade-offs we're ever going to do yeah. two very very uh, weird albums i think we should start um by talking about britney okay britney three by britney from 2016 they are a scottish band for fans of Elstorm. Hmm. <laughs> so right Not i sure point this out <laughs> So their Bandcamp page, for some reason, says for van- for fans of Ailstorm. And I sent it to Steve as a uh, uh, troll, almost, I suppose. Because uh, you, you hadn't heard the record when no. I sent you that. So I was like, oh. No, actually, I was... I had it on as you sent it to me. Okay. I was like, yeah, well, okay, mate. Whatever. Okay, yeah. And yeah. and I don't know why it says for fans of Ailstorm. For fans of Ailstorm, Upon a Burning... And Upon a Burning Body. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm assuming, well, uh, this is a band who um, don't entirely take themselves seriously, it's yeah. fair to say. And it, I, it almost feels as if they've put that on there. <laughs> I think that is what's happened. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what do they actually sound like, Steve? Uh, a fucking mess. <laughs> An I think absolute that's fair, fucking actually. mess. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. So this is only 20 minutes long. Yeah. Um, 12 tracks? 12 tracks. Yeah. Some of one the songs. Of, one of the songs is ten seconds long. But it's still, yeah. Well, I want to talk about that. It's called Manopause. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's ten seconds long. It weirdly still feels like a song. It in does, 10 seconds. It? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. well, There's a lot going on in there's it. There's quite yeah. a lot in ten <laughs> seconds. And to just hammer that home, the next song on the album is thirty seconds long, <laughs> and there's three different bits to it. Yeah. So it's like three songs in one, and it's only a thirty-second-long song. It's... I've not very, very rarely have I heard a band silly enough to attempt to do that so fair, fair play, play yeah. on, on that on that note even though this album's only 20 minutes long I, I do mean this as a compliment it's not going to sound like one but even though it's only 20 minutes long i do find it exhausting every time oh, i listen God, to it yeah. there's so much going on it's it's bonkers isn't it it's mad where did you find this shit art tangent obviously oh right okay. <laughs> yeah that makes sense um it's definitely interesting it kind of reminds me of the blood brothers gone grindcore yeah yeah um, yeah to be honest it reminds me most of early daughters yes but uh, with a, a, bit of that. a bit more not wackiness in an off-putting way but just a bit more silliness maybe yeah but um it's like vic and bob doing the locust <laughs> yeah that's great yes yes <laughs> vic and bob doing the locust exactly uh they've got a song called boss moggy which is how i would <laughs> describe bonjour and um and the cover is bizarre Try try and um, describe the cover. Well, if, if you've seen the the artwork to Iron Monkey's classic Our Problem record, uh, it's done in what's the guy's name? There's a, an artist who uh, had a very kind of distinct style, and it's known. But anyway, it's this sort of cartoony style that this guy had, and it's really kind of grotesque but very cartoony. Um, and it's a similar sort of style to that it's basically a man's head exploding yeah so it's a man's head exploding but his eyes haven't moved have they his eyes no. have sort of stayed in the same place which yeah I don't know how that happened not but realistic it's not really said, realistic yeah. but it's just a kind of kaleidoscopic collage of quite grotesque looking stuff yeah it looks man's... like george romero has been sick on a piece of paper yeah um uh but it's sort of see it's pretty perfect for this record yeah yeah because well, uh, it's a head fuck of an album yeah i mean a so real yeah it, that's how my head felt after i finished listening to this record i did give it to you though because i did think it was as you like to say a bit, bit of, of me. you yeah bit of me. is yeah. it not no 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 it, it kind of it, it is mm. i think what's cool about it i mean this is certainly not for everyone <laughs> this but but i love the fact that bands like that exist mm. like this exists exactly. and i think i should have probably said this when see you space cowboy came out a few weeks ago i think about a similar sort of thing um it's amazing that this type of music which is essentially you know like say 30 second long grindcore mixed with post metal mixed with wackiness and just fucking mathy weird shit that goes all over the place it's amazing that this type of music still sounds like such a head fuck. Yeah. Because after a while, you know, hardcore now, you go, oh, it sounds like hardcore. Yeah. Extreme metal, you know, if you're a death metal band, you go, yeah, okay, death metal. Like, what was extreme 
after a while, it starts to become not extreme anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas even though this type of thing has been happening for a long, for time. a very, very long time, at least since the late nineties, right? At, yeah, the very, very least. It still sounds. You still go, oh god, Jesus, what the fuck's going on? It's ah, very disorientating. Really disorientating. Mm. Um, quite funny. I mean, you know, they obviously don't like say they're not taking it very, very seriously, but it feels like a, an exercise in exaggerated suffering exaggerated cartoony violence almost yeah yeah um but not in a like cannibal corpse way no like a sort of tom and jerry yeah 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 um if they played in a hardcore band (laughs) yeah if you could get the sound of tom and jerry if but do it when you fast forward you put it on 30 when you fast forward your tv (laughs) it's like that if you could get a whole tom and jerry cartoon to last 30 seconds yeah and put that, make a musical soundtrack to it with the members of Minor Threat, mm. then I guess you're somewhere close to being in the same ballpark as what this is. Where the fuck did you find this? I told you, Arctangent. Arctangent. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I didn't know did about them before Arctangent. Where the fuck did they find this? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. They're really Are nice. Are they still going? Are yeah. Still a yeah, thing? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I expect Britney 4 will be out anytime soon, I would imagine. There um, is a song on Britney Spears, well, a Britney Spears album called Britney 3 as well. There is a is song there? called 3 by Britney Spears. Ah, I didn't realise that. So okay. that, I googled a lot. You <laughs> won't be able to find this record. <laughs> it's on Bandcamp. They've got a Britney Bandcamp page. Um, and I I mean, you know, you can listen to their entire discography in about 45 minutes. Um, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> listening to their entire discography in one go because your head probably will explode. Mm. Um, but... Um, I have to say live as well. I saw them, uh, I've only seen them once and it was at Arc Tangent and it was as beguiling as, uh, as I mean, it was amazing, but I've never quite seen anything quite like it. Right. There's only um, three of the three pieces, right? There's only three of them, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the vocalist, he just sort of uses um, lots of manipulation on his vocals and stuff and there's like all sorts of weird shit going on. They are fucking it's it's so nice when we are able to go i've not seen anything quite like it before considering that you know this is what we do for a living and uh yeah i've never seen anything quite like britney before or since um i i i I, I, and i just marvel at them really Mm. i'm just like wow fair play i like I, i rarely put britney on I have to be honest because they are bonkers. Um, but when I do, <laughs> I'm just like, well, fair play for being one of the craziest things I've ever heard. It's great. And I am a big fan of sort of random words being thrown together in, in with no sense of what they actually mean. Fully Ben is a great, <laughs> is a great name. Witch Bucket is a great name. <laughs> Neon Python. Neon is a Python. Good name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, bo- I've already said Boss Moggy is great. There's a song like weirdly in amongst all that. When you've got songs called like Sneezific and Boss Moggy and Mon- Manopause and Sleep Now Dogman, having a song that's just called Gum, <laughs> like oddly becomes really funny. Just the word Gum. <laughs> but they're almost they're almost gum. like the Stuart Lee of hardcore <laughs> yeah. in that like. If you get them, you'll fucking love them. But most people won't get them. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I like, enjoyed this, mate. I thought good, I did it? think it was weird as fuck, yeah. but I enjoyed it. So that's Britney three. Well, Britney one and two Brian are Britney. available. As I, well. I'm definitely going to listen to both of yeah. them. I'll just read the 
things anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's move on to what I gave you mm. in a similar type of what the actual fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. I gave you Morbid Angels Illud Divinum Insanus mm. from 2011, which is the eighth Morbid Angel album and the first album that featured their iconic vocalist David Vincent since 1995's Domination. Mm. Uh, so a full 16-year gap between um, Morbid Angel albums with with David Vincent. I would say, you know, the return to the classic lineup, not really true as it was kind of undercut by the lack of um, drummer Pete Sandoval, Pete the Feet Sandoval, yeah. who is uh, a metal, death metal drummer of some considerable note, yeah. um, did not feature on this album. But still, uh, it was know, also, hopes were high for Morbid Angel well, it was uh, also coming back. Their first album in eight years. Yeah, it was a long time since Morbid Angel uh, had released a record. And it was a Morbid Angel album being released in 2011. And it was probably the first time in a long time. And certainly you think the last one had been 2003. 2003, Extreme Metal did not have the same profile uh, in the metal scene, in, no. which it did in 2011 and continuing on through this no. decade. No. So... Uh, just really, really quickly, Renfrey, your thoughts on Morbid Angel as a band in general? Um, we talk about this record. A, I mean, they are one of the pioneers of a this the Floridian death metal, mm -hmm. basically this um, uh, genre which I don't often listen to, but one that I massively respect. I actually, before playing this album, knowing full well that it was a very different sound to their previous stuff, I went back to. Um, Altars of Madness, which I hadn't it's heard for ages, record. and um, yeah, I think it was a, yeah, it was really nice to listen to it again. Oh, nice, it's not the right word. It was really good to listen to that again. Um, considering that album came out in 1989, yep. and and more or less kind of it's the blueprint for most even modern death metal. I feel uh -huh. like you know, it's the it searing... definitely established like a you know the uh, maybe not the blue, I think you know because obviously death got in there first. Sure. So sure. you got to give Chuck the uh, majority Chuck of yeah, yeah the the majority of credit for kind of I guess establishing that type of sound. But yeah. certainly for my money, when you're talking about the greatest death metal bands and the greatest death metal albums ever, um, Always a Madness is way, way, way up the top of that list. I was really um, pleasantly surprised to 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 listen to it again and, and, and hear that it still sounds quite I, yeah. good no, I, as I well. Bought, I bought... I'm talking purely production-wise, I mean. Yeah. Well, you know, Scott Burns and the the Morris Sound Studio crew obviously made... Uh, the, were the reason that people still talk about those guys today is because he was the first person to kind of... He pioneered being able to capture that sound. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I bought... I, I actually bought recently... I bought... Um, uh, Alls of Madness, uh, Wolverine Blues, and um, Slaughter of the Soul by At the Gates Ooh, on nice vinyl. We'll bought all three on the same day, mm. and you know a proper sort of triple death metal pack of three different types of death metal, um, but all three of them sound fucking astonishing still to this day. But uh, notable that Morbid Angel is the oldest of those three, mm -hmm. and still 
uh, some people will listen to it with new ears and be like, oh, it sounds really old. But I, I, I was I was knocked back by, my God, this album's released in 1989 and it yeah. still sounds, considering that, it still yeah. sounds pretty damn yeah, powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly I'm sounds good. a lot better than this album. <laughs> Fucking hell. So I think, uh, you know, that's why I wanted to bring point that out at the start. Morbid Angel are an brilliant. amazing yeah. band. An amazing uh, band. But a hugely influential, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant band. Yeah. But... Um, Illud Divinum Insanus came out and kind of instantly became one of the one of the first times I remember a band taking a pummeling on the internet. It was one of the it's it is it remains one of the most hated records in extreme metal, doesn't mm. it? Uh, yeah. Surely, I think one of the yeah definitely one of the records where uh, I mean it's been described as morbid angels saint anger yeah, yeah. Uh, which is an was, obvious comparison but yeah it apt. was it was hideously reviewed um and you know when i think of when i think of what's happened over the last few years mm. uh with suicide silence with machine head mm. with mm. metallica and lou reed yeah. with various different bands over the last few years have been pummeled on, on by the by their fans mm. by their fans and the online community this was one of the first times I remember feeling like I'd go on the Facebook or whatever, mm. uh, or to onto the Metal Hammer website or whatever, and the fucking hatred for this album mm. was uh, was a, it was a big pot of boiling fury mm. that mm. greeted this album's response. I think I do. I if I had been a massive morbid angel fan and been waiting for this record for eight years i can understand i mean i being furious that an album's not very good is a bit over the top but i can understand people's massive disappointment with it um and to come back with a record that changes your sound quite dramatically so this is effectively an industrial album with death metal bits and pieces. The death metal bits aren't very good. This is what I want to ask you. Rafi, okay. Yeah. Right. You know, radical is a song that everyone points to as being the, what a bloody radical. Which sounds a bit like the race by yellow. I, I, th- I think radical sounds like a incredibly poor version of the beautiful people by Marilyn mm-hmm. Manson. Yeah. It's got a Rob Zombie thing to it. Yeah. Uh, now, but it's seven minutes long as it's well. It's seven minutes it's long. It's too fucking it's long. It's fucking too long. But here's the thing, right? Is Radical and the industrial stuff the problem here? No. Or, or is it because this is what I find very interesting about this record. You call it like, oh, that's Morbid Angel's industrial album. Mm. I don't think it is. I okay. think you've got Radical. And you've got too extreme. Now, Radical is seven minutes long and it's way too fucking long. It's actually kind of campily enjoyable, I think, Radical. I think it's got, you know, it's it's not a brilliant song and it's definitely too long. If it was half the length, I'd call it campily enjoyable. It becomes a it becomes an endurance test by the end. It of becomes it. an endurance mm. test, but you know, it's got it, it's not a million miles away from Combi Christ or whatever. No, no, it's not, no. it's not I don't think it's a bad song. I think um I think too extreme is a bad song that feels longer and it's definitely shitter mm. even though it's shorter mm. um but i think if you took those out 
that wouldn't solve this album's problems. No, definitely by not. any stretch of definitely the imagination. Not. I think there's there's lots wrong with it, to be honest. Um, the vocals are turgid. Yeah. Um, the lyrics are hideous. Uh, yeah, bad. So poor. And, you know, I mean, oh, just just, just awful. Um, did I make any... Oh, I did. Um, from the song I Am Morbid, which is delivered in a very kind of David Gunn-esque way, which yeah. is not my favourite, as we've established before. Fist horns are roaring forth as I scream into the sky. I'm morbid, morbid and sorbid, distorted. <laughs> fucking awful. Really, um, really rubbish. Fucking terrible. I mean, you know, I really feel like you, you, the awful Wizard of Oz monkey chants... The sloppy, phoned-in death metal parts, yeah. which actually make up the majority of this record. I would, I would take Radical over a lot of this record. I, I think there's more industrial in it than you're making out. Uh, really? I, I don't think it's a burning red situation where everyone's like, oh, it's rap metal, and in reality there's only four minutes of rap on it i don't think the industrial bits are the biggest problem with it i don't think the industrial bits sound great it's it's bizarre that i mean apparently this album took like five years to make effectively what the fuck they were doing in those five years i don't know don't know um but listening to fucking the perfecto all stars (laughs) (laughs) but it is a weird thing because i don't think that you can't really accuse them of trying to cash in on something because I don't no, think I, this sound was like well, popular well, at the time. Well, here's the thing, right? Trey Azagoth has said for years how much he likes dance music. Yeah. He was yeah. saying that in the 90s. He was listening to Belgian Gabba hardcore techno yeah. in the 90s and he was saying this is the future. Da, 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 da. And I guess it just kind of it came around where they got the chance to do it. Yeah. And it goes to show that he can't do it. Like he might like it. Mm. He's a fucking phenomenal guitar player, a phenomenal writer of death metal music, usually. 100%. But he can't do dance music. Like I, he just can't. Trey Asgoth, I feel like, is one of the best and worst things about this record because mm. some of the guitar riffs are really, you, you listen to them and you go, really? Because yeah. that sounds like, you know, the, the metal band I started when I was doing my GCSEs, yeah. you know, like levels of decency but then he comes in with a ripping lead mm. which for, for for 30 seconds a minute makes you go oh he's amazing like it's a brilliant like his leads just in general are fucking great very kerry king-esque just all over the fretboard stuff but he's fucking good at it yeah and there's a few moments on this record where he comes in with a ripping lead and you're just like yeah that is fucking great and then it goes back into a turgid you know, well, Lulu style riff. It, well, I would say, I mean, my favourite song on the album is Blaze with Baal, which is actually not written by David Vincent or Travis Goth. It's written by Destructor, oh, the, the drummer who right. came in to replace Pete Sandoval. Uh, sorry, no, not the drummer, the guitarist, the other guitarist, the other guitarist. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. um, uh, Tim Young who played drums on this and Destructor was uh, playing guitar with the, with the other guitarist at the time. And... Um, you know, that feels much more like a kind of a classic Morbid Angel. It at least sounds like Morbid Angel. It might not be one of their best songs, but it at least sounds like Morbid Angel. Do you know what I mean? It at least kind of vaguely implies that you are listening to a Morbid Angel record. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm looking, just let me get the track listing up here. Uh, you said about the, the, the there's not that much, there's more industrial on it than you think. Two extremes industrial. 
Radical and Profundis Mia Culpa. That's it, really, isn't it? Um, there's a little. I wouldn't call it industrial, but there's a kind of new metal esque stomp to Destructos. Destructos versus Earth. Yeah, we're oh my, I, which what is rubbish. What yeah. is going on with that song? It's in like it's some sort of alien invasion thing. It sounds like Morbid Angel does Mars Attacks. Yeah. If you took that, the, the the march march shit on it is oh it's bonkers fucking rubbish. You've already mentioned this as well, but those kind of oh, um sort of gothic uh low yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah exactly that. there's a lot of those on this yeah. and they all sound crap. Um, it's really surprising. Last week I said I couldn't remember if I'd heard this record or not, and um. It, it, as soon as I put it on, I went, oh, I, I do remember this record. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the, the first thing, I can't believe that they would come back after eight years. And the first thing you hear is a terrible, like, brass section, which sounds like it's been played on a Casio keyboard. Mm. And when you consider that some of their contemporaries, you know, Dimmu Borgir and so on and so forth... Even even bands, I mean, I don't know if you call them a contemporary, but even bands like Nightwish and so on and so forth are using orchestras to come in with a what sound. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a Casio keyboard. It <laughs> sounds that shit with this horrible brass. It, it's just like, what? Why are you doing that? It sounds like it sounds like the theme from a Dungeons and Dragons game made in 1993 or something. Yeah. It's just dreadful. And but, Sean Bevan produced this album, apparently. There's a lot of people what? here who are very talented who have yeah. obviously lost their fucking marbles yeah. for a little bit. Um, but here, Renfrey, is the case for the defence for uh, for this record. Now, what I would say, right, this is this is shite. It's, it's pretty not, bad. It's pretty bad, isn't it? Uh, but I would say... You know, you take out Two Extreme, you take out Radical, if you take out the Destructos versus the Earth, this would be a fairly bog standard death metal album. Right? Yeah. And what would have happened if it had come out and been brought out like that, because it had the name Morbid Angel on it, and because people had waited eight years for it, because they've been saying they've been working on it for five years, magazines would have gone, oh, well, it sort of sounds like Morbid Angel, and they're back, great. And I reckon it would have got seven out of ten hardcore fans would have gone yeah they're back oh yeah yeah great and they would have gone great for a little bit people who didn't care would have gone i don't really this sounds pretty bog standard i don't care everyone would have pretended for a little bit like it was good and then it would have vanished it would have been put on the shelf and no one would ever have spoken about it ever 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 spoken about it ever again but isn't the problem that you remember the what the fuck moments more than so you know and that's just a natural human thing i think so remembering the casio keyboard thing which yeah. opens the first track remembering the, the bizarre narrative of um destructo versus earth remembering the fact that uh radicult is you know to my ears a poor knockoff of the beautiful people a you know a record that sean bevan wrote on and like that man sean bevan knows how to get that industrial sound and make it sound really fucking good he's done it several times in the past mm. why couldn't he do it this time around the mind boggles I, i'm completely yeah it does yeah yeah it does but that's getting away from the, the, my point which is okay. to take that out 
what you're left with is, you know, is not is no better. But it would have been so insignificant yeah. that no one would have batted an eyelid. It wouldn't have been. And but for, like that, I, like for I say, that alone... But let's take let's take Lulu. People, what do what do people remember you'd have from to take Lulu? Everything out of Lulu, though, wouldn't you? You'd have to take no. the entirety of Lulu away. No, no, no. Well, as a man who has defended Lulu, yeah, in but the past, no, nothing on Lulu would would have not been weird to the sort of people that were slagging off Lulu. Maybe not. I mean, what what I was going to say is like everyone remembers and and says I am a table with yeah. Lulu, right? Which is one of the worst moments on it. There are the last track on Lulu is fantastic. Like it's really there's, yeah, good. There's a lot of good things. There's a lot of good stuff on it, but you don't remember that stuff because your brain's like, I don't know, bemused and befuddled. Yeah, so of much course. By, I am a table. You of know? course, I think all of Lulu for, for Metallica fans. There's nothing on Lulu that wouldn't have bemused Metallica fans. Maybe there's plenty of stuff on here that wouldn't have bemused Morbid Angel fans. Plenty of stuff. Mm, yeah, it might not have maybe, been good, maybe. but my point is, it would have been a fucking five out of ten. Yeah. It would have been one of the, you know, like I'm trying to think of a record uh, that is just total forgettable. Five out of ten. Like, oh yeah, they've done that again. Well, right, they're, they're literally difficult to remember. Yeah, that I mean, is, I, that the is fact the that I can't <laughs> even think of one is is, is, is telling. And this would... crazy fist entire back catalogue. <laughs> well, you know, um, <laughs> but. But that's what would have happened. No one would ever be speaking about that album mm. unless. And for that alone, <laughs> I kind of oddly admire the fact that Morbid Angel at least tried to do something different. Well, that you know what? That's a very good point, actually, because we always champion bands for trying to do something new, mm. and I totally respect that and i think that is awesome i'm just stunned that it was pulled off considering like you said considering the talent that is involved in this record and no one is denying like there are some talented motherfuckers like behind this album um it is bemusing to me it's almost as if a really talentless industrial band kidnapped the members of morbid angel and said we'll release you as long as you release our album under your name and then give us all the money for it <laughs> like <laughs> not a lot of money mate <laughs> not a lot of money out of this but, th- but that if that had happened i'd go ah oh, that makes sense mm. um, but i can't make sense of this record, no it's very difficult to make sense of it i mean but like it. you say like ultimately uh the best bands are the ones that try and do something yeah ra- that's true radical yeah, yeah. Use pun. um and morbid angel did do that in 1989 and they at least attempted to do it again they just failed really fucking miserably and i think it's quite telling as well that um basically no good for anyone on this was it because three quarters of the band left yeah and steve tucker who originally who who david vincent replaced who originally replaced david vincent Mm. in the first place Mm. if if you can keep up with that uh, came back so david vincent left as replaced by steve tucker steve tucker left he's replaced by david vincent david vincent left replaced by steve tucker and they released 2017's much more typical um kingdom dis kingdoms disdain i was just about to ask if you'd heard that because yep. i haven't right so it's it's is that it's just another typical morbid well that got that. that's a return to, return um, to that's form. kind of a, a good case in point actually because that is it's a return to form it's a return to the classic morbid angel two years down the line anyone listen to that record mm-hmm. I, I didn't. anyone still care about kingdoms Dis- disdain mm. does anyone pay any attention to it whatsoever i very 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 much doubt it mm. Mm. interesting so you know i think it's a <laughs> i kind of like 
albums like this that make you go ah no fair yeah it's very interesting like a very interesting record but yeah it bemused and beguiled me in equal measure i mean it's bad i listened to it twice but both times i had to it's quite it's 56 minutes long it feels like a very long 56 minutes and i could i couldn't listen to it in one sitting because i really found that unbearable i found that really difficult yeah it's not a great record but what you just think mad fucks aren't they can i just say one more thing quickly which surprised me according to the wikipedia page you quite rightly said that critically this wasn't very well received and generally it wasn't according to the wikipedia page metal hammer gave it nine out of ten bloody hell is that true well, that uh, I'm saying, a, I'm saying, according to the Wikipedia page, as a kind of you know cover, um, but according to it, it got nine out of ten. Poor, Mel Hammer is a twisted and confrontational masterpiece. Doesn't say who wrote that. That is Alud Divinum Insanus by Morbid Angel. You don't need to listen to it. One, listen I'm to sorry. Radical. Listen to Radical. Sorry, one more thing. Even the title is fucked up because, again, on the Wikipedia page, it says um, uh, that the, the, it's a Latin name, but the Latin is completely wrong. So even though they had five years to work on this album, they didn't even bother to like make the Latin correct. It's oh. something to do with... Um, you know, they have like male and female words in different yeah. languages. It's something to do with it. it fucks that up. I, I don't know enough about Latin, but I just... I thought it was quite you telling. You idiot. It <laughs> <laughs> goes like basic school. Latin. Um, but I thought it was quite telling that even that they fucked up. Yeah. And when they've been working on a record for five years, it's like, wow, guys. And the cover's on. bloody <laughs> awful. I don't know what's going on on that cover. Yeah, it's it's a it is a massive disaster. This record. It's a mm. it's a terrible piece of crap. Mm. Um, but what would you give it out of ten out of interest? Three. I was going to go maybe four. I was going to go four. I quite, I mean, I quite like uh, 10 more deads. All right. I like blades for ball. I quite like radical for the first four minutes. Mm -hmm. Radical, go kill a (laughs) cool. It sounds like the race by yellow. Do you remember that? I that's what it sounds like i mean that sounds listen to a b radical and (laughs) the race by yellow and you will be like oh yeah i would say four because i'd give it two for the lead guitar stuff Mm. and two for fair play you're trying something new yeah 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 four four's about right i reckon all right next week renfrey what you got in your big bloody bag of albums i haven't heard interesting um I was wondering if you had ever heard Neil Young's Mirable, the collaboration album between the godfather of grunge, supposedly, not a genre, and uh, Pearl Jam. Uh, It's been a long time. I heard it when it came out, and that's a really, really long time ago. In that case, it's been 24 years since you've heard it, so I think that's fair. Yeah, okay, cool. That sounds good. Um, How familiar are you with the work of John Congleton in general? not at all from the paper chase no not at all i've heard you talk about this band have you ever listened to anything i've ever done no oh renfrey i'm gonna give you hide the kitchen knives okay by the paper chase which i already know what i already know what you think about this yeah yeah you do um for those of you playing along at home it's not on spotify it's not on apple music uh, so yeah, it's only on YouTube, but you know, it, I, I've annoyingly picked one of the 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 only one of their albums which isn't on 
uh, any sort of streaming service. I don't know why it is. It's really annoying. I find it really annoying because sometimes I want to listen to it on my headphones. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, that's it. So I'm going to be doing Mirrorball by Neil Young and Pearl Jam. And you're going to be doing Hide the Kitchen Knives by The Paper Chase. Uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing... Is Baroness is out next week? Yes. Baroness are back. They're coming back. We're going to be talking about their new album. We're going to be talking about Heart of a Coward. I'll be going to see them. And yeah. we're going to be talking about their new album. Yeah. Have you listened to it yet? No. Well, don't fucking slag it off until you listen to it. I'm and... not slagging off the album, I'm slagging off the band. Oh, right. Well, that's different, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, and fingers crossed, we'll be talking about Bruce Springsteen as well. Very Although unlikely, but I fucking I would hope say so, yeah. that is probably <laughs> quite unlikely. Um, uh, go to musicism.net, put Riot in the checkout when you purchase your courses, which is what you're going to do right now, and you'll get 25% off. We will see you next week. Enjoy your weekend. We're going to portals, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll talk about portals next week as well. See you, mates.